Welcome to episode 402 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. He's wearing his scary hat and he's wearing his friendly smile. It's Russell John, the fisherman. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing today? What's up, Nick? Not much. Did you see we just got a DM from Chad? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, uh, friend of the show, Chad Lott. All I saw was a notification from Instagram saying that Chad Lott has invited me in a group chat. Oh, okay. That is all I know. Yeah, no, he said uh, NASCAR themed dungeon synth and then put a link. All right, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to them. Uh, also, you know, I um, recently have been back to work, so I've been catching up on my podcast. Chad, I love you all. It's Scary Thoughts. Thank you for the congratulations on the child. And also, you're, the Nick the Tooth episode, it's not a film episode, but I highly recommend that Clark listen to it. Make some lifestyle changes, really come out on top in 2023. You know, last week, you wanted to come in up top <laughs> talking about some crazy stuff. Okay. Now you, it's either that or you want to plug someone else's hey, show just, immediately. Dude, I'm just comfortable wearing my smile, having uh, fun. Who is Nick the Tooth? <laughs> Also joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, is Randy Michael Stat. That's me. What's up? Randy, have you heard of this Nick the Tooth? Uh, I, I saw it on the podcast feed, but I had not listened to it yet. No. Okay. Yeah. That's why I thought it was very important to bring it up. Um, you'll learn two things. One, a lot of good diet information. Uh, two, uh, probably that we're living incredibly boring lives compared to that dude. True. Nicholas the Tooth? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, name right there. I know. It's a good name. It's pretty good. Nikki T. I'm fine with a boring life, by the way, guys. Yeah. I've got no no qualms here. No qualms here, right. pal. We'll start calling you Clarky Loti. You should have been calling <laughs> me that, bub. And also joining us is Oksana Valerneva. Oh, Sachi. Oksana? Hi. Oksana, you're on mom duty currently monitor sitting next to me and i'm expecting him to start crying at the worst possible time for some reason if that's what happens <laughs> well you know babies get hungry and then babies poo babies pee and then <laughs> babies just cry poo and pee doesn't wake him up uh but boy am i jealous of that <laughs> am i jealous of that right randy but he'll fart and wake himself up so the trade-off that's unfortunate mm -hmm. <laughs> If I woke up every time I farted, <laughs> I'd get no sleep. I really wanted a better punchline out of that. That's why uh, sometimes, <laughs> really sometimes did. you really got to sell the sizzle <laughs> when there's no steak. Randy. Yes, sir. What's going on? How was uh, Atlanta this week? Uh, it's good. Kind of the same old thing, you know, um, <laughs> doing a little, uh, I was supposed to go to a show later tonight, uh, in a couple hours to go see the band dry cleaning, uh, from the UK. Very what? excited. There's a band called dry cleaning. What did Actually, I do? Mark from scary thoughts is into them. So shout out. What about Nikki T? I don't know. I haven't listened, listened yet, but <laughs> they're, great. they're a great band. <laughs> But uh, yeah, this morning I uh, I woke up, you know, my usual like seven thirty, and I took a uh, I took some uh, supplements on an empty stomach, which I'm not used to. God, and it messed me up early in the morning. I took a supplement, 
What what do you mean by all right? What do you mean by messed up? Uh, so it took probably like thirty minutes for it to like uh start feeling weird, but I, I essentially felt very queasy and very sweaty. Huh? <laughs> Anything yeah. transpire or was just uh just that uncomfortable feeling that you felt many times before. Uh, just that, and I I may have thrown up a little bit as well. <laughs> Randy, you really got to lube up those suppositories, dude. What does throw up a little bit mean? Just you know, the, a little bit in the throat where it just makes an appearance and pops back down? I mean, some came out, but there wasn't much in there yet. It was first thing in the morning, so. I took a, uh, a 5-HTP because it's apparently good for serotonin and anxiety and things that I feel like, A, I don't have a lot of serotonin, and B, I have a lot of anxiety. Who sold you this, Alex Jones? <laughs> no, I, I've had multiple friends tell me about it before as well. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've heard it's H- good. I thought HTTP was like a web address. That's HTTP. Oh, thank you so much. But uh, yeah, it made but me weird. Hey. I threw up and it felt weird ever since kind of uh, today. So, But I think I, I'm going to just force myself to go. Randy, I've known you for 10 years, but I have seen you throw up more times than any other person in my entire life. Sure. All right. One time from weed, he smelled it. One time <laughs> from a cookie he ate at a theater. And now he took a vitamin D pill and puked it up and then ate it. Yes, three times. In his bathroom. So three times that I know of. Yeah, for the record, I've never seen anyone ever throw up. So Oh, okay. He's got a three oh lead. <laughs> Good thing you installed that camera in Atlanta to see him in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, Randy I've been meaning to tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing exciting going on, so Pretty boring uh, webcam you got there. No, man, I, I get what I need out of there. You've been dropping <laughs> some healthy logs, I, I should say. Sure, sure. You know what I did yesterday? Now, it yeah. accidentally, <laughs> for two years in a row, I have watched the Royal Rumble <laughs> for WWE. I, I, and for the record, I watch no other wrestling than accidentally watching the Royal Rumble for back-to-back years. I had a great time. I feel like you're not alone. Bro, I th- I as a kid it was it's the most fun. Yeah. You know, you get uh 30 uh, people in there. Throw them at the ring. <laughs> keep it coming. You, you know, don't, you don't know the lineup. It always happens. I watched a little bit of the pre-show. Booker T was on the pre-show. He said, I'm still waiting for my invite. Guess who was number 22 or some oh shit. Oh my god. Booker T. He got out pretty quickly. Um he looked great. You know, it's funny because Talking about the Royal Rumble, which I haven't thought about in forever. Now, my lame adult brain, I instantly think about how it's one of maybe the worst events for the writer because it's kind of where plot lines go to die. You have a bunch of storylines building up to that event and then they just go away. Also, it's got the social media kind of like randomizer effect where honestly, it's one of the worst matches as far as the wrestling goes. Yeah. Because you're limited. And when you have 15 people in the it's ring, so you can't confusing. do anything. You forget people are there. Well, it also turns into like when you start watching the background in a movie because those people aren't in it. Yeah. Or they're they're kind of like, oh, they're not going to keep this take. And you're like, that dude's not even trying. But the other problem is that it, it's all just about who's next. And exactly. then it's because yeah. it's every 90 seconds is something new. Yeah. And that place was packed. And it's it it just they exploded. It was just really fun. Do they uh, do they still have like a third of the people just being kind of like a meme or like a callback? I'll tell you, most of the lineup yesterday were heavy hitter wrestlers. Okay. 
And they had a couple wild cards. Oh, Jason Eisner showed up, our Book, buddy. Booker T showed, you know, he's old. Yeah, he's um, an announcer now, right? Then they had, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Good um, job. I love Booker T. And I watched that match that uh, Jason Eisner told me about with Stone Cold and Booker T. Yeah. Man, you could feel that they had paid to kind of do whatever they wanted to that supermarket. And it kind of turned into how much shit can we break? Not exactly the vibe I'm going for. I want it to be like legitimate. Like yeah. I would have enjoyed it more if it wasn't like Stone Cold runs him into the back and hits him with a pallet of rice or something. Because it was like he going out of his way. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. My dream should come true one day. Uh, it got exciting when Brock Lesnar got in, and then they took, and then someone knocked out Brock, knocked out Brock Lesnar, and then he destroyed everything. Destroyed the table. You know, it's interesting now. Mainly the table. When we talk about like IP wars and comic book movies, I think wrestling kind of had the first culture that mirrored that where like RVD and Sabu get pulled over uh, because RVD was hotboxing the car on the freeway and speeding. Yeah. But the night before he had won the title belt and you're like, what are they going to do? He's not. And then the next day he's stripped. Like, you know what I mean? Like kind of like breaking that fourth wall to predict the storyline in the future that's Which, the other part is that you know you've got 30 people going in and out of that ring so as far as writing a storyline of like yeah what's happening in between a lot of that lies on the shoulder of the performers so it um, kind of to keep them busy for a little bit because like it's like they pause because it's a timing thing yeah for sure and you can see the hesitation there. So I don't know. I like the choreography of everything. Um, and uh, I, I and it all worked very but well. You know, because re- it's, it's an orchestra. Everything has to play together in this thing. Pro wrestling is the improv of choreography, though. So that's, you know. Sure, but janky. you've got your hard outs and you've got to hit those. Damn. Um, off topic, but speaking of improv. Uh, one of my favorite people to bring somebody I bring up so often on the show that the AI episode, you know, we should post that. I know last week I asked Randy to read it and he was like, it's too long. We should share that on something. Just copy and paste it. somewhere. put it on our <laughs> Tumblr or something. But I talk about him so much that the AI picked up on it and it was one of the only defining characters. East Bay cinematographer, Jasadi. Yep. Uh, when we were shooting Blu-ray Tuesday this week, uh, Dropped a nugget I didn't know about that he had taken improv classes before. Uh, I believe it came up because I was talking about the Key and Peel sketch where uh, another black dude showed up and they instantly hated each other. And he was like, not only have I been that black guy before, but I've taken improv. He's been that guy with Terrell. That's very true. <laughs> it was weird. Too. Terrell was like defensive at first. I understand. Yeah, it's weird. Imagine that. <laughs> But Jasadi wasn't even being mean. No. Uh, also, everyone's taking improv classes, dude. Not me. It's, uh, but I, oh, it's very clear. You have <laughs> yeah, I've only had the gauntlet of you as my teacher. I'd, and boy, am I tired. Oh, my God. Uh, I will say a couple more surprises there. Uh, Bobby Lashley showed up again. Dude, he's never not going to look like $1 million. Yeah, yeah. Put him in an MMA ring. How old is Bobby Lashley? <laughs> that joke, I don't. <laughs> did he? Did he? Did, did he try? Yeah, I rooted for him too. Brock Lesnar worked out. 
Don't compare the two. Brock Lesnar. Pull is... pull up the Bobby Lashley stuff. He had a minute because you know he looked like a monster. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, He's got the face of a five year old. Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, as they say in football. Uh, well, the biggest surprise was Logan Paul. Oh, oh God, Logan Paul. There actually, I should. You can probably see the uh, uh, what do they call it? a meme or a GIF. Did they boo him? Yes. Okay. But good. <laughs> he did. He did very well though. Uh-huh. Um, he came. He jumped from one post. Another guy jumped from another post, and they collided midair. It was pretty good. And what did they turn into? Made a loud smack. <laughs> <laughs> who was the other guy? I can't remember. Um, you know who sucks? Ray Mysterio's son. He's a dick. Wait, okay. Now I Andrew Tate. <laughs> I was just gonna say. So we're behind on the Andrew YouTube. Tate is not a he's well, hold on. Is, First off, Andrew Tate's in jail. Here's the, so <laughs> in Romania. We still are like trickling <laughs> out the YouTube episodes where it's just, you know, audio, but you get to see what Oksana's looking at whenever she's doing this, <laughs> which is a whole nother show. She looked up, I guess it's Logan Paul and the wrestling thing, but it's a uh, three panels. One of them's in the middle where uh, the moment you mentioned where he's colliding with somebody midair, but the other one is Andrew Tate. So well, I don't know what she put. What, what does it say below the picture? Almost a Logan Paul versus Andrew Tate moment. You should have just Internet. read that before you asked. <laughs> and there we go. Uh, but no, it was a great time. Uh, do you know who won? Um, Andrew Tate. No. Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. That's cool. Don't you think it's cool that he's the American Nightmare because his dad is what? Was the American Dream? I, Cody Rhodes is a heel. I, I'm not into it. No, everybody likes Cody Rhodes now. How's he a nightmare? He yeah, but everybody likes him now. Everybody liked The Rock when he was a heel. Well, how? Wait, oh, okay, he's a heel that people like. Yeah, so the, he's like Antifa. No, he's cool. <laughs> he's got a neck tattoo, bleached hair. Randy, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you out. Cody Rhodes is <laughs> sick. Okay, Cody. I think he's from Atlanta, Georgia. Oh my god! Yeah, probably. I don't know he's born in Charlotte. Something about Atlanta came up in the uh, Wikipedia page. Build from Atlanta, Georgia, whatever that means. <laughs> what? That's interesting. So the Undertaker was built from parts unknown. Oh yes. It doesn't mean he actually was born there. Oh, oh wait, no, he wasn't. Was he from Death? Uh, why are we talking about wrestling? So there's long? there was also there's a there's a guy in there. Uh, there's a couple of new horror characters. That, oh, good. That it's. To varying degrees of success. I, I want to show you one guy of how he entered the ring. Um, it's actually pretty good. Uh, and also, <laughs> I kind of like his theme song. So I, I'll paint a picture here. Um, I, can, I can show you guys the video later. But for our listeners, I'm going to try to paint the best picture I can right. of what this gentleman did. Well, while you're pulling them up, uh, we had Marbles over here last week. She stayed with us. And we were watching a lot of wrestling. She's a big fan, and I'm a fan, but apparently everybody gets into it after I stop watching it. So I asked her, of the new people, whatever happened to one of my favorite characters, Bray Wyatt, who was like a hick That's what I'm talking horror about. character, and she, <laughs> just me and her in the room, and she was like, I, I, they got rid of him. And I'm like, well, what happened? And I'm like, oh, God, is he like a pedophile or something? She's like, I don't think he wanted to get vaccinated. And I was like, okay. Is that it? I don't know. She was whispering, though. And I'm like, it's okay. So they brought him back in October. 
And the, his big return was last night. Uh-huh. Because he had challenged LA Knight. Uh, With a K? Yeah. Yes. Oh. What's yep. he look like? Like a, I imagine a purge. He's been knight wrestling for like ever. He's had like nineteen different names. Um, what's the gimmick? Is it a gimmick? Not, not really. He had like a denim jacket. <laughs> oh my, I'm in. That's I all know. I needed. Um, he's kind of a, he's he's a pretty boring character. Um, has a nice smile though. Oh, I looked him up. I hate him. But br- yeah, so Bray Wyatt, this was his big return last night, and he does. So they brought him back. But apparently they dialed his character back a little bit, um, and it's a little confusing. And, yeah, because he does, like, his children's character thing, uh-huh. and now he's got his little night light thing. And uh, every, the, so it was the Mountain Dew Pitch Blackout match. Oh, tight. <laughs> the inaugural Mountain Dew Pitch Blackout match. And... There were no lights except for the illuminations of everyone's phones when the guy came in. It oh, was, that's cool. And then, then the then the lights were off, and then the ropes were uh, illuminated, and the mat was illuminated. It was kind of cool. Um, and then the match was kind of boring, and then they started to fuck around. And then uh, there's another character, Uncle Creepy or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot what that uncle, Dude. Uncle Hanky, Uncle something. Whoa, we got to hook up Creepy Clark with Bray Wyatt. He could be on the That's children's show. He needs work. I think he's living on the street. Yeah, but he's back. <laughs> uh, he's doing okay. Apparently, had a nice talk with uh, the Undertaker. He mentioned that in his po- in his press conference. That's cool. After, you know, someone asked him, uh, "What did the Undertaker say to you in your meeting?" He said, "I'm not telling you. I'm keeping that for myself." Because right. he said that people had had compared him to the Undertaker, which he thought that was insane. That's a bummer. That means yeah. they don't have enough weird horror characters anymore. For sure. But and uh yeah, there's a couple other ones, but I don't know. Yeah, also Madeline showed me there was a tag team with like fucking uh my old boy Johnny Nitro, who's what, John Morrison right now? I don't know. I love that dude. He was the guy that played the Minotaur in uh Dave Made a Maze. Oh okay. him him and the Miz, reality star. Turned a uh, pro wrestling. The Miz was the first one to be eliminated last I night. I feel like the Miz and you would be good friends if you met. And I know you're going to take this. I hate insult. the Miz. I know, but I feel like you would love that guy. I don't know. He, yeah, you would love him. I don't. Do you think he is his character? Well, I think there's two things going on. One, you get along with frat boys way too well. I think it's because you pretended to be one for a long time. And then, two, uh, I think the Miz also... I was, I was more comfortable with it. Yeah. But yeah. I also think he um, is comfortable being a punching bag and knows his place and has a lot of, like, confidence, but it's kind of No, funny. it's just I knew that I knew that world. I knew that... I know that world. Knew it. Well, I don't know if I know it anymore. <laughs> I knew it and was more comfortable in it. You don't fit in now. No, but I still speak that language because I know football. Yeah, but when you get excited this about... Is, this is... You understand that I am a Renaissance man. A chameleon. And being a Renaissance man affords you the luxury nah. of being a social chameleon. You're a because I've got the key cards to all the locks, baby. You're a uh, forum jockey now because when you get excited about NASCAR dungeon synth, you've gone over the ledge. It's gonna be tight. I think so too. <laughs> all right, are we good? All right. Well, let me timestamp. David Lynch is still dead. Nobody's resurrected him yet. So, so is Bella Lugosi. Oh, dude, I love that song. Slow it down when you play the record. 
It is uh, January 29th. Um, it's a Sunday. And buckle up. This is going to be a good episode. I've got a clip show for you all later. It's been a minute. And I know it makes you uneasy. Yeah. Especially because these clips can run long and yeah. they're going to be disorganized. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got a lot. Great. <laughs> so excited. I got a Randy Reed tread. I got a cool guy clip. This is going to be a fun one. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Randy, what you got? Yes, sir. Well, speaking of your uh, your wrestling event you watched, I watched a uh, event slash live stream last night, which uh, ties into one of my movies. Um, so last night, Louis C.K. Uh, returned to Madison Square Garden, and uh, yeah, he did a you know a new new hour, and he had two openers, and well, he had three openers, two comedian openers, and the first opener was uh, John Coltrane's son, Ravi Coltrane. Um, and his band. So it was like a three piece. And um, yeah, Ooh, since like Louis came on, yeah. So essentially, Louis like came on on the mic and like introduced them. And he's like, hey, this is like, you know, kind of weird like jazz. It's like very like free jazzy. He's like, I want you guys to really like pay attention. He's like, if you got drinks already, like come like stay in your seat, like really like watch and pay attention. Um, I guess he like met Ravi Coltrane at a gig somewhere. Um, or maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, so somehow they met, and then he essentially he was like, "Hey, I'm playing a Madison Square Garden. Uh, do you guys want to open?" And just like casually, uh, just met him somewhere in New York City, and the, then they opened the. Um, they both finished and walked out the door. Exactly. Um, so yeah, they opened this uh, live stream, and uh, you know, uh, whatever you know, your thoughts are on Louis C.K. I think uh, for me, he's still you know pretty funny, and his jokes are still kind of, you know, the same. He definitely, you know, addresses everything that, uh, you know, happened with him. And, uh, yeah, obviously he's not having that hard of a time if he's selling out Madison Square Garden. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, honestly, I had heard, because he'd been doing the podcast round, so I knew that he was having some sort of, like, a jazzy opener. Because um, <laughs> I, I heard him tell the story. Jizzy opener. Oh, gah, gah, gah. Uh, Mos Eisley Cantina music. Jizz. God. There we go. Um, so yeah, I, I knew that he had like some sort of a jazz band opening and I was like, that's really interesting. And that kind of like made me want to watch it. And honestly, it may have been the highlight of the show just because it was like their drummer is incredible. Their keyboardist, uh, he had like two keyboards and with his left hand, he's playing like all the bass to the, the song. But in his right hand, he's like playing other like you know, organ and like different types of keys and stuff. And yeah, it's very, uh, very free jazzy and, um, you know, kind of just uh, a little all over the place and like improvisational. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, ties into the documentary that I watched on hey, Criterion Randy, Channel. Randy, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Um, so when you're, when you're listening to all this, you know, free jazz. <laughs> yeah. You know, is, is freedom the, jazz. Is the, yeah, this freedom jazz by D.W. Griffin. That when you're listening to this great, great stuff, Randy, it sounds terrific. Is the precursor, are you immediately thinking, boy, do I want to laugh now? Like, you know, how does this, how does this pair? Good question. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoy free jazz. I might not like the most like extreme version of it, but I really like um, Miles Davis's album, Bitches Brew, which got like very weird and experimental. Ack. 
and there's some uh, Mingus records that are like a little weirder that I like. And uh, yeah, even like later Coltrane, um, John Coltrane uh, gets weird too. Mingus? Was that Boy Meets World? When his body's well, Mingus. I'm glad you enjoyed it because I heard if you would try to leave the live stream, he would stop you. This is true. Yeah. It came with a, uh, I had to sign an NDA before. Right. Uh, yeah. Can I, can I ask about the setup? Like how big, how big is the stage? And like, how many, how many people you think they fit in there? I don't know. He did it in the round at MSG Madison square garden, which essentially is like, you know, he's in the middle of the floor and there's yeah, people yeah. all around him. So it's like shot like 360 sort of. And he's like, you know, addressing different parts of the audience. Because um, apparently you could fit more people in if you uh, shoot it that way as well. How how did that go? I mean, does, you know, because of a, a live stream stand-up event is a pretty odd thing, right? So, yeah, um, and especially in a round, you know, I know Phoenix has that, uh, the round there. There's not many. And, you know, when you have an arena, that's certainly its, it's own separate thing. But um, to to do that as a live stream and a, as a comedy event, that's a pretty it's a pretty tall technical task. Oh boy, that's a lot Ooh. of tears. So how yeah. how did how did, uh, how did how was that as a viewing experience with all that stuff going on? Yeah, it was cool. It uh, looked great. I'm sure you know he himself has tons of like production people, and um, yeah, it, it looked really good. There's a uh, you know you never really saw like cameras like shooting at each other or anything. It was like shot very well and like framed very well um yeah i don't know it was really interesting i like like you said i haven't really ever seen or heard of any sort of like live streamed comedy um stand-up sets i guess chris rock's doing one for netflix this year too oh i would tune into that i'm randy should i uh i'm thinking about pulling the trigger i I wanted to watch this but i I got lost in wrestlemania (laughs) i think you made the right choice I had a great time. You know, to me, it just sounds like Louie trying to drive traffic to his fucking website. Right? right well, that's well, all look, he talks about. That's all he's done for over a decade. God, it's so sure. annoying. Louie has done the, the website thing for a long time. Um, you know, I even before I knew he liked to jerk off in front of girls. Oh. So, yeah, back in the Horace and Pete days, um, I, yeah. I started to watch Horace and Pete because that was the only way to do it. Oh, which was great because it's fantastic what he was able to create there. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I I, I haven't watched his past couple of uh, specials, and um, I've been seeing him in the podcast. I've listened to him on Rogan, and uh, I don't know. I the whole live stream at Madison Square Garden that was an interesting angle, and uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about doing it. Twenty five bucks, but uh, I don't know. I heard on Rogan he scoffed when Rogan was saying that um, Sam Kinison was like a huge icon influence. And he was like, you think so? Yeah, something happened with it. I like Kinnison, so. Well, sure, but. It, I don't need more reasons. That's just Louis's Louis. thought process. Louis, you know, that's just, um, you know. Yeah, I, that's all I've heard. I haven't listened to that interview, but all I've heard is uh, he didn't give a fuck and he's mean to Rogan and then the open border thing. He's not mean to Rogan. I know, I'm like. Yeah, but I told you, I'm in the comedy black hole of YouTube now. Yeah. Oh, I get all the critiques on there. Dude, some of that stuff is Dude, rough. I get every Brandon Schaub update ever. Dude, I really don't I like... I know what Bumpa's doing now. I don't like speaking in generalities. He, I heard he gave back his dog. He fired a producer. 
But if you make, <laughs> if you make like YouTube videos about what's happening on comedy podcast, you're not fucking funny. No. And, you, and you don't understand jokes. No, it's important. So that's why, that is why you live vicariously through these people. No, no, no. Also, that's mean of you to say, but it's true. No, the thing is, I'm, I like to have my fingers on the pulse of the culture. And it's interesting to have those dialogues about people because, you know, when you listen to so many podcasts, you like to hear people talk about them or like maybe they picked up on the subtle thing that you thought nobody else did. Most of them are cuck bitches. That might be part of it. Also, there's like um, because Tom Segura went off on his fan base because sometimes he talks about fancy cars and fancy watches. I saw that. Did you? Uh, yes. And then I saw a guy respond to it and he got he was. He was legitimately hurt by what Segura was saying. Well, I'm like, fuck. There is, you're there so is weak. a thing there. There's an illusion that comedians try to be like the regular people, but right now they're rolling in it. Yes. I know. So, I mean, it's not on us to say that we love that. To be like, dude, I love you. You're my you're my god now. Get up on the pedestal. No, it's he completely misappropriated what Segura's I, point I, was. I get it. To I, point it in his own you know, direction. Well, I saw the Segura clip because I watched yeah. the comedian. And he does that, yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm saying all all cultures have these YouTube content creators. There's one for a drag race called a Bussy Queen, who you know it's funny because I think what you were saying about their comedians who aren't really funny, um, yeah. it's the same thing. Like that queen is a drag queen, and everybody in the comments is like, well, why don't you try and get on the show? And there's like, you have to be like, no. I'm not going to do that because they know you you can tap on the glass. But once you get in the tank, it's completely different because she's more popular than actual queens that have been on these TV shows. What about the Stone Age? I don't get it. Oh, yeah. Queens of the Stone. Oh, <laughs> not a fan. Oh, I did buy an album, though. Oh, Dave Grohl is a curse for everything he touches. That's what I'm All right. At least I think it's only on, like one or two albums. You know, I I have the new Fangoria, and they gave fucking Studio 666 the second best kill of last year. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? Maybe not second. It's definitely top. Was it the Whitney Cummins oh, kill? Oh, I forgot she was in there. I, I didn't know she got killed. I turned on her. All the content creators made me not like her now. She's on her. I heard her special was not all right. Well, it's, you know, it's <laughs> They live streamed that, too, and she also punished some jazz musicians. Hell, yeah. Now, uh, all right. So, Randy, the uh, the the Louis C.K. Legend to your second music documentary. Yeah, I watched them in reverse, but uh, yeah, I watched Fire Music earlier on uh, in the day, which is just a history of uh, free jazz. The movement kind of started in like the 1960s and 70s. Uh, people like Ornette Coleman, Cecil Taylor, uh, Soon Ra. There's a lot of really great um, archival footage yeah, and performances. <laughs> I know. I like Soon Ra. Soon Ra is great. Some good shit. Um, yeah, a lot of archival uh, performances that are that are awesome, and a lot of uh, archival interviews. Uh, most of the people that they cover are dead, but uh, there's a lot of people that played like in the bands with them uh, that are interviewed um, as well. And uh, yeah, it it feels very you know like kind of talking heady. Um, it's very like educational, um, but to me it was in a good way because it's a, a thing that really kind of interests me. And I, like I said, I've only kind of like dipped my toe into free jazz <laughs> and only kind of really know like the, uh, the big names, but um, yeah, some of the history was really interesting, like in seeing kind of how like 
hated like free jazz people were by like the jazz critics and even like even Miles Davis, who kind of like got kind of trippy and free jazzy. He was quoted in a magazine, like a famous jazz pub- publication, just like absolutely just like talking shit about one of these like free jazz artists. Um, and then the guy who kind of like bridged the gap between like, you know, them sort of like being outcasts from like the jazz community was um, John Coltrane because he kind of like did more traditional uh, kind of jazz of the time. And then he started to get weirder and weirder as, um, as time went on. So um, people, you know, really respected him. And so when he started to get weird, he kind of like introduced that to like the, uh, the masses. And now like, um, I don't know if it's like a genre that like a lot of people love, but I think it's much more well-respected than uh, it was when they were coming up. But yeah, it was really cool. There was like a whole like loft scene of like these like free jazz guys. And it just, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of like them being sort of like the the like punks of like the jazz scene at the time. God, you're so goddamn lame, Randy. What the <laughs> fuck is this freedom? Ja- you know, when you talk about jazz, the I'm only like- thing I care about is the Colgate <laughs> the Colgate Hour, Roy Donk and Paul <laughs> Bufano. Don't bring these fake ass. Where the musicians. fuck is yeah. Bufano, yeah. dude? Paul Bufano, dude. Oh, dude. I you know I tried to crowbar in that joke earlier and i said ron bonk who's a real person he's a producer remember we were talking about this yeah, he runs srs cinema that's why he, i thought he was fake because i thought he was roy donk, roy donk. not ron bonk the real producer <laughs> roy donk. yeah so randy next time you talk about fucking freedom jazz you better be talking about paul bufano paul bufano i don't know who any of these people are that you're talking about so uh yeah <laughs> Randy's from I Think You Should Leave. Oh, okay. The Heidecker yeah. Scout. Heidecker, your boy. I have to rewatch it. I've only watched each season once. Yeah. Oh, oh well, then he has no. We obsess. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, Russ, this is on us, to be honest. If, you, if you're going to talk <laughs> two documentaries about jazz, you should know the Colgate Hour. It's all I'm saying. One. <laughs> Louis C.K. will that will show up in a YouTube documentary, much like the Chris D'Elia one Clark made me watch after it comes out that he assaulted that jazz band after well, they played. What we haven't talked about that. What do you think about the Chris? D'Elia we we could bring that up in your thing if you want. All right, we can talk about that. Yeah, Randy, did you see? Have you heard? Have you heard about this? Yeah, I've heard about it. I'm you good. Have, what? All right, Randy, I'll show it to you. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll show it on the Discord. Oh my, yeah, okay. I, all right, what else you got, babe? Uh, yeah, just quickly want to uh, shout out a movie that I watched on movie.com. Um, oh, Randy, shout out. Hit the queue. Randy, shout out? There's yeah. a queue for that? Yeah, it's a new one. Right, what, what do you want me to hear? I got the... It's movie. Again, we go back. I know you've never taken improv classes. <laughs> <laughs> Evident. And I'm proud was- of that, just for the record. I've never taken them either. So there's uh, three of us. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, dude. No, I'm. Mean, see, if I had taken a class, I could have followed that up with something. <laughs> so yeah, I watched a uh, a movie called Actual People, um, which was put on my radar from uh, Factory Twenty Five, who's a uh, good distribution production company who put out um, some of Petrikus's films and Ham on Rye, and uh, a lot of movies that. Um, I've enjoyed. Yes, sir. <laughs> Looks like you're about to say something. No, no, no. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, this movie is a, it's a short indie. It's like a, an hour, 24 minutes. Um, it's a New York movie um, directed by Kit Zuhar, Zauhar, uh, who also plays the main character named Riley. And, um, you know, it's very like mumblecore, um, sort of like early to late college. I think like a lot of them are like late teens, early 20s. And um, yeah, Kit Zauhar, who directs, writes, and acts, uh, she's really good in this movie. Uh, the scenes with, there's a lot of scenes with like her friends and like her at parties. And um, I don't know, just a lot of like very sort of young, like conversation conversations that are very like, I don't know. Some of it just felt kind of like not cringy, but just felt very millennial in a way that didn't really work for me. But the scenes with like just her. Um, so essentially she's just, she's about to like graduate and, uh, you know, just having anxiety about like finishing college and like not knowing what she's going to do afterwards. Um, and she, she's very good. The scenes that are like mostly just like her and like exploring her character. I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, it's a solid like three for me, uh, but definitely would, uh, enjoy seeing more from her either as an actor or a director. How many stars? It's a three, I think. Sounded like a three. Randy, so the poster and the trailer are, are they're whispering to me that this is a horror movie. Yet on IMDb, yeah. it says drama. Yeah, it's very drama for sure. But is it like a dark drama? It looks like something bad's going to happen to this girl. Not really. No, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty light on like, I don't know, events that happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's it's rough. A, <laughs> uh, Randy, follow-up question. That's a brutal thing to say about a movie. <laughs> that is true. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, it's kind of like mumblecore genre, like where you're just kind of like exploring sort of like these situations and like these characters and sort of like, you know. Did uh, Duplass or Swanberg have anything to do with this production? <laughs> I don't believe so, no. I think it's uh, probably a micro to no budget movie i'm guessing but it did look rather good um in some of the scenes like a lot of the like sort of later like night scenes in new york city like look pretty good and uh they go to philadelphia for a little bit in the movie and um gross yep. man aesthetically this is everything i want from an indie film and yeah. i feel like if it was helmed by jorge torres torres and he went the uh, empathy horror route this would have been a banger because dude yeah. i the way it's shot it looks fucking cool for sure there's good stuff in it for sure yeah but i uh, i think i'm gonna have to agree with you it's got three written all over it uh randy follow-up question are there any titties uh no that's unfortunate yeah what happened to the like you know you got a micro budget indie film it's a female character there are no boobs drama in anxiety anymore, it feels like nudity would be a very easy thing to like approach as like a self-image kind of like overcome it i mean what's more girl but what's more yes queen than flashing some tits <laughs> that's what i'm saying ladies get it together we're flashing the peckers flash them memories that's all i want memories <laughs> for memories memories of memories thank you so much yeah. all right randy anything else uh no that's it for this week it's pretty light it's early january you know late january is not a not a whole lot out well, you know, there was a joke that I held off on, yet I 
I'm trying to work on my improv. So improvisational moment. I'm going to bring it up. Randy opened up saying this was a short indie. And I was going to say, that's what I call a Shia LaBeouf. Because he's technically four inches shorter than Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's pretty good. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. <laughs> that's what. I, that's my freedom jazz. Well, how, Harrison Ford's what? 6'2"? Six 6'1". Six he's 6'1". Okay. Were you wondering how tall Mel Gibson is? He's 5'10". There ain't no way. Carrie Fisher is 5'1". Ain't no way Mel Gibson is that. <laughs> Mel Gibson is 5'6". Hold on. I want to lampshade Randy's little punchline there. What did he say? Because you missed it. I said, <laughs> Mel Gibson's 5'10". Carrie Fisher's 5'1". He said, was. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Because she's dead. Yeah. The worms ate her. Oh, uh, well. Allegedly, she was a whore. <laughs> What's her name? Tiffany? <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> you put allegedly in front of it's fine. Uh, Randy talked about, you know, it being the slow part of the season, it being January, which is the perfect time for me to talk about a Christmas movie that came out last December. <laughs> Violent Night was finally seen by me after, I'm going to call it at least four to five times, me trying to plan out me seeing this in the theater. Uh, zero of which turned out to be the case until me seeing it on Peacock is how I watched this. It's on Peacock. I like that Peacock. You get a little NBC. I'm watching. Oh my God. You know what else I'm watching? I'm rewatching Columbo. Oh, <laughs> but I'm watching. I like I, Columbo. Okay. But specifically, the, the when they rebooted it in the 90s. Nope. That it might be the only thing I know. Stinks. <laughs> okay. The critic just showed up. But I love it. Okay. Dude. There's one episode that <laughs> it's like, I don't even know if they had a script in some scenes where it's like Peter Falk and the other actor are just, they're like, all right, you got 15 minutes. Y'all figure something else out here. Cause every episode is 90 minutes. Oh God. It's not, it's not like it was on TV for 90 minutes. It's a full hour and a half. God damn. Each Columbo episode is a full feature film length, and it does not need to be. So it is at least two times more than it needs to be in time, terms of length. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of fluff there. And how they do it in the dialogue is it's very interesting. They just they repeat things. And man almighty, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it was so much fun. Um, but Peter didn't give a folk. He really didn't. And also, I don't know how he could see anything. Well, one eye was North, one eye was South. Um, didn't, wasn't there a very thin script in like Wings of Desire too? Am I making that up, Randy? Well, Vim Vunders <laughs> was uh, a known uh, dyslexic. You're making that up. No, it's very true. And also his fingers were <laughs> inverted, so he couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't remember which Columbo I watched. So maybe. No, when was that rebooted? I think in the 90s. I doubt I watched that. Yeah, the last the last ones. Um, he looks very old. Uh, it was real fun. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. But also it, it look, they look great. So they've remastered it. They look really good. Uh, so that's fun. Go check that out on the 
Peacock Network, Violent Night. When a group of mercenaries attack the estate of a wealthy family, Santa Claus must step in and save the day. And Christmas. That was in parentheses. And Christmas. I'm going to tell you, uh, we'll keep this short, everybody. This, uh, what else could you want? I had so much fun with this. It is exactly what you want. David Harbour is a great Santa Claus. I think I. it's a great move because he fits the bill of a guy who, spoiler alert, in this scenario, Santa Claus, David Harbour, is a Viking, and he kind of inherited the Santa Claus thing. He doesn't really know how it works. He misses his hammer when he used to uh, bash skulls when he was a Viking, and then he inherited this Santa Claus thing. Um, and he's got his list, and... Uh, he's checking it twice. He does a good job. And so when he had to save this family, it, re- it rewoke the beast, and he got his hammer back, and we had a good time. Really good effects here. Really fun kills. Creative kills. Um, and I think it's Josh Miller from Miller and Lord. Uh, you know those uh, those guys know how to write comedies and stuff and all that all that jazz. Uh, free jazz, as Randy calls it. Uh, <laughs> Freedom jazz. <laughs> Man, it's great. I honestly, a Violet Night is. I think honestly, I think Randy talked about it. You know, he, he, this could be on the. Uh, on the Rolodex for, uh, you know, Christmas movies moving forward. I had a, it's so much fun. Oh, well, I'm glad you brought it up. Just in time for the holidays. I know. <laughs> so David Harbour, is he better as a uh, Nordic Santa or is Goldberg? I never saw oh, uh, uh, Sleigh Ride or whatever. Um, Santa Sleigh. Santa Sleigh, yeah. Dude, that movie. I know. I should watch it. Uh, again. The effects here, they really did a real good job with it. Leguizamo, great choice. Oh, what uh, the fuck? I didn't know he was in it. Dude, he's... Dude, Leguizamo's back, baby. He's crushing it. He was in this. He was in the menu. Leguizamo had a great year. He was in the menu, damn. Um, and uh, Bev D'Angelo. I will say, Randy, the, the guy, the dad, the son, I didn't... He, he had bad guy face. You know what I mean? I and I don't know if they if I kept thinking, Russ, you take one look at this guy. You know he's got bad guy face, and he wasn't the bad guy. And I don't know how to feel about that. Oh, weird. Well, I don't know if, and I don't know if casting is like they if they're fucking with us, or if they just don't know what bad guy face is. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Uh, maybe, maybe they're just trying to trick you. Let me look up this guy's name, Alex Hassel. Okay. Yeah. Is everyone looking at Alex Hassel? He has bad guy face. There's no way around it. You take one look at Alex Hassel's face. That's bad guy. And he was not the bad guy. Uh, I wasn't looking at his face. I'm actually looking at oh. John Leguizamo's uh, work. Okay. His career over the years. Russell did not understand the assignment. Randy, did you take a look at the, at the bad guy? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Thanks so much. Oh, he's from England. That's the other thing. If you're English and you got eyebrows and jawline like that, you're a fucking bad guy. There's no other way around it. The Pest. That was the movie I was looking for. Oh, yes. I had a friend. He was a weirdo. Real character. I knew him. He used to be a game tester. 
and he walked around with that DVD in his inside pocket as long <laughs> as I knew him. And it was weird. I mean, I understand now it's kind of like, hey, I'm a quirky guy. Well, he ran into John Leguizamo out here on the street and produced the DVD and thoroughly freaked him out. Whoa. He said, why do you have that? And he's like, I always have it. And then he signed it and that was it. <laughs> Did he then not carry it anymore? Because I think that that's I think full so. circle. Yeah, you got you to gotta put it on the shelf and then put the gun in your mouth. <laughs> Life has come full circle. Can I tell you? That's a beautiful story. Yeah. That's the nicest story you've ever told on this show. I, I know. That's why I was desperately looking through here. I'm like, what is the weird movie that everybody hates that that weirdo walked well, around Mission with? accomplished. Did a great job. Yeah. The director, Tommy Ricola. Uh, Russell, he directed um, G- uh, Dead Snow. Tommy Were you a fan Ricola. of those? Ricola. <laughs> Ricola. Oh, Dead Snow? Yeah. Dead, Dead Snow 2? They kill a kid right off the bat. Well, he also directed Dead Snow. Uh, Red versus Dead. Oh. Uh, Russell, he also directed Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Oh, we talked about with, that with, uh, with Kevin Jeremy McTurk. Renner. Yeah, Kevin McTurk. He uh, did he work on that? I think he did. Yeah, yeah. So, dude, this guy knows uh, effects. Man, there's some really good kills, and it's really fun. Randy, your thoughts? Yeah, agreed. I uh, watched it with my family over the holidays uh, for Christmas, and uh, it was very fun. We all. Rather enjoyed it. It's kind of like a uh, Die Hard meets uh, Home Alone type of thing. It's it's got a lot of like heart in it, but then the violence really comes out towards the end too, and it's it's kind of surprising. It does have a lot of heart, and I think that's why Harbor is a great uh, Santa because he plays he's empathetic and he knows how to play both sides. Um, he's both believable as a brute force and also believable as a kind-hearted Santa Claus mm-hmm. character. And um, I think there were few people that could pull off the performance that he gave. And uh, dude, it's I I couldn't like it more. It's great. So he does a good Chris Kringle, but can't pull it off as a Hellboy. That's what we've learned. I don't. We want to blame him for Hellboy. I never watched it, so I don't know. And actually, I get a lot of contrarians hitting me up because they, you know, we know him when we see him. I like Harbor, and uh, people they like that Hellboy movie. They're just kind of quiet about it. I, I, yeah, right. Well, it was a, it. it was a weird move. Like why? I, I liked him. I liked him. Yeah, in the but, role. but what I'm saying is like Del Toro. Like why did that happen? I don't think it was Del Toro. That's what I'm saying. Oh well, Del Toro. Oh God. So I know I talk about this a lot, but when he came out here and dropped the news that he wasn't going to work with uh, Kojima anymore in that game, and then went into a rant kind of about not working on the Hobbit anymore, and then was also talking about his um the ideas and pre production on uh. Uh, Pacific Rim 2 which he later left he made it pretty clear in that talk um, out here at the Castro that he was just like I you know I've made a lot of movies in my life now and if you're not going to let me make the movie that I want to make I'm not going to make a movie period No. so I think he's just walked away from from big IPs like The Hobbit and Hellboy and uh, uh, PT was that the name of the game the Kojima one Anderson <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I now I kind of want to watch Hellboy. I'm down. All right, we'll see you next week. Uh, you know who I? Uh, I'm going to interrupt with a uh, tangent. You know who I missed at a uh, a theater screening uh, last night in Atlanta? Oh, Tyler Perry. Uh, hold on. 
Tyler Perry. <laughs> Steve Harvey. No, so uh, I, I saw that the Plaza Theater was playing Bram Stoker's Dracula Uh-oh. at uh, 9.30 p.m. last night. Don't think oh, I've ever I- seen the movie. Thought about going, but I was like, it's 9.30. I'm not going to go to this. And uh, Francis Ford Coppola showed up. Oh, whoa. Russell's favorite cover-up artist. Honestly, I was hoping <laughs> one of the other family members was going to show up. A Nicky Cage. You missed him? I did, yeah. You didn't miss him. Damn. I was about to say, if you saw him, you'd see him because he's he's large. Hey, <laughs> just in case he comes back, let me ship you a copy of my clown house so you can get him to sign it for me. I have a I, twist copy. <laughs> I got powder, too. Let me send you powder so you <laughs> oh, can sign that. Okay, there we go. Well, I gave you a little bit of leash. Yeah, I know. It's your fault. God. Rest in peace, Francis Forco. All right. Now, hold on. I'm sorry. I apologize, man, but... um. I see here on our docket that you have a uh, boring documentary that yes. you're going to talk about. Yes. That seems like a perfect time for me to go to the bathroom. So please, I don't want you, you to You wanted to know about me. this. I'm dancing in my goddamn seat. All right, go. It's going to take you about six yeah, minutes. Yeah, but I, you got like 20 minutes of... Uh... No, I really don't. Don't go, okay, go to the bathroom. No, go to the bathroom. Uh, for no reason, I rewatched a movie called My Scientology Movie. I don't know why. I think I was I was looking for something, you know, Randy. I haven't been able to uh, to to find that to itch. That's to scratch the itch. That's that's what we wanted to go with. Yeah, that, that Paul T. Goldman void. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, I I I need something to fill that Paul T. Goldman void, and I I didn't have anything to do that. So. I started uh, going into retread territory and uh, came across on Amazon, which is a streaming service that I don't frequent anymore because I don't know what they're doing on Amazon outside of the boys, which I am a fan of. um, And I'm not ashamed to say it. All right. I don't know what that says about me and I don't care because I think that the boys is entertaining. Randy, you never saw the boys, did you? Never seen an episode. No. It's a good time. It's fun. You yeah. know, taking the P out of the superheroes <laughs> on it. But outside of that, I, I honestly don't know what they're doing with their programming. And uh, I don't know. I just, I don't go spurlunking deep into the crevices of Amazon Prime anymore like we used to. So uh, I did see, though, that it did have my Scientology movie from 2015 uh, from Louis Thoreau. He's not the director though. The director is John Dower. And so they do that British bullshit where it's directed by someone else and it's just presented by Louis Thoreau presented by, that's what they say. Cause they say, you know, they're those presenters. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I prefer the anchor. I like the, the news anchor. Sounds better to me. A lot more British terminologies. I will probably side with the Brits. I think they're a little bit more cute sometimes. Like, you know, we say the trunk of the car. Oksana, do you know what they say instead of trunk? Um, no. They say the boot. <laughs> it's the boot of the car. <laughs> All right. And also, you don't go, you don't go to the pharmacy, Randy. You know where you go to? The drugstore. The apothecary. Okay. Huh? Isn't that something? And the garage is not the garage, Randy. It's the garage. 
See, it's more fun. It's not pedophile. It's pedophile. <laughs> they have more fun with us. But in certain aspects, we win. Like in wars, we will win. We will beat the British in most things. Outside of penis size, I do think that they beat us in penis size. I've seen maps. My Scientology movie presented by Louis Thoreau. Did, Randy, did you, did you never see this? I knew this is the same guy. He did that movie Tickled. Yeah. Um, that I, I did. That quirky documentary? Yes. Yeah. Boo. It, and now he he wrote this. This is not directed by Louis Thoreau, so but it's it's labeled my Scientology movie. So it's presented by Louis. He did not direct it. So the question begs: Louis C.K. Whose Scientology movie is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not C.K. Get in here. How was the pee? That was good. All right, good deal. Uh, we we hydrated. Uh, no, I'm actually out of coffee. Was it orange? Also, when I walked by the bathroom, I saw the uh, little one wiggling in there. So, yeah. Asleep or awake? Uh, half. Oh, is <laughs> right he, in the middle. Is he drinking again? No, it's probably farting. He's in the bag. Oh, you know, blasting farts and breaking hearts. That's what that little buddy does. Oh, we got your favorite stuntman in this movie, Tom Cruise. Okay. <laughs> so here's what happened. I'll try to make this short. Um, everyone knows that Scientology is weird, and Scientology, um, they're mean people, and this, and it's a cult, <laughs> and this documentary exploits that. It's nothing that you wouldn't think is going to happen. He partners with a former um, head honcho in the church who left, and he's a violent guy, and he talks about all the violent things that happened, and they try to stage mm -hmm. uh dramatize some of the misgivings uh that were perpetrated by one david miscavige who was the leader of the church and the guy they get to play miscavige really good but some of the most interesting parts of the movie are not delving into the church we don't really do a whole lot of that we don't learn a whole lot about scientology that's not the point the point is us watching this British guy uh, make the movie about him. Um, oh, I love that. That's pretty much it. And creating these dramatizations, uh, getting a fake Tom Cruise that did not give much to the movie, but the little Miscavige guy did a great job. Um, Wait, what is that? So it's a propaganda film where the filmmaker puts himself on a pedestal saying, like, look at the good work I'm doing, which kind of reminds me of the... <laughs> Chris D'Elia documentary you made me watch. Yeah. Which also was a YouTube propaganda piece. Again, I don't mean propaganda to mean bad. It's just what it is. There's a view that they're trying to get you to buy into. And I mean, it can be right or wrong. But it's weird to me that the filmmaker in both cases needed to be like front and center kind of. So when we talk about documentaries one one of the things that we always circle back on is privileged moments yep. right that's a huge part of documentaries with this particular one um i would say that we do get privileged moments however when you are dealing with a group such as scientologists who are more than willing to make themselves uh a part of any documentary in their own terms Privileged moments 
are pretty produced uh, by the snap of a finger, if you if you understand what I'm saying. To where, yes, we do get these things, and we get these seemingly organic interactions happening between this film crew and their guerrilla film crew filming each other. Like, who can who can, who's going to win the stare competition between my camera and your camera? That's right. That's what half of this movie is. I like that. So uh, you get a lot of that. And uh, also, this is this is a public road. No, this is a private road. About five minutes oh, of that back and forth. So early Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really. And also, it's 2015, but it feels more dated than that. Which, uh, say for that what you will. Um, it's it's interesting enough. I hit, again, this was a rewatch for me. Um, and uh, it's fine. I like Louis Theroux. Th- Louis Thoreau for a, a little bit. He's a little too cheeky sometimes, and I don't really understand. The, I mean, look, you know, the name of this is my Scientology movie. That's what it is. It's it's not like the Alex Gibney documentary we had, uh, the Going Clear thing. I, that was Gibney, right? Um, so it's not like that, you know. And there, these are two very different uh, approaches where Gibney's a very thoughtful uh, filmmaker who's going to, you know, mine every crevice of any subject that he takes Mm -hmm. because, you know, he is a documentary industry. You know, anytime Gibney gets involved, there's a war trucks are ready to go. Uh, It's a whole thing. It's a team. It's a production. Uh, Louis Theroux was like, hey, I'm a little quirky British guy. Let's see what we got here. Again, not to say there's not interesting things, not to say that there's not some... Um, you know, something of value here. Just take it for what it is. And Scientology is very, very strange. And it's full of rich people. Okay. <laughs> you, do you want to talk about Dalia? We could. I mean, there's not... <clears throat> other than it's like a propaganda film. I think the most interesting aspect of it is that last quarter of it where the director kind of comes forward yeah so well all right so again we want to be clear we this is a documentary but this is a youtube documentary um it is a youtube video it is even you know described as a video by the uh creator uh what's it louis anderson what's the guy's name kyle anderson was that (laughs) it god i think it was kyle anderson uh it is you're right uh, made a film called uh, The Crystalia Problem, where he's uh, there's more allegations about Crystalia, a uh, comedian, and uh, a lot of personal um, recollections, uh, people from Delia's life, um, whether it be in his uh, alleged harem that he was procuring, or his former business manager, I think, his tour manager, was that the guy at the end, um, who really sort of brought everything all together bombshell interview i mean the interview at the end i mean that's why you know you save that one towards the end because it kind of brings everything together and it's again not to say that everything else and all the um you know all the girls that came forward in the previous uh interviews did but they were all off camera yeah um and uh identities were hidden and then this guy was front and center and, he, well, and uh, just spilling the beans on everything and basically said that what he saw uh, from Crystalia was is a Bill Cosby level uh, in terms of 
rapes and allegations and what he saw. Yeah. Okay. So Chris D'Elia, you may know him. He's like a middling comedian. I, I always thought he was really funny. He's a huge comedian. He's huge. But I mean, if you're like not a comedy fan, you might know about him. It probably from like Comedy Central, which like now Gen Z, I don't know what kind of relationship. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. You may not be a comedy fan, but you may be a fan of Chris D'Elia yeah. because that's what he does. He he's he he mines social media very well. Yeah, he does. Uh, the TikToks, the Instagrams. People know him from being, uh, you know, handsome fit guy dancing in underwear. Yeah, that's what he used to do on Instagram. Um. And yeah, this whole documentary is kind of just bringing up uh, a couple years ago when he got canceled. And it was kind of like one of those gray area ones where I didn't hear a lot about it. And I think mostly just because he had a lot of good relationships among his community. So people weren't like throwing him under the bus just to get up. But um, yeah, I don't know. This is just a reframing of, uh, hey, remember that apology video he did? It's like, well, he never changed his behavior. And yeah, it's a lot of testimony. It is very YouTube documentary though, yeah. which you mentioned. And um, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to talk about it, but I'm in the middle of like developing a uh, pen and paper thing that kind of deals with uh, in-world camera cinema. I know how, how impossible that sounds, but it, it's forced me to think a lot about the different avenues of content creation. Ooh. I'm sorry, Brian Lenano. I, I know you hate that word. And there's... Th- Something interesting about the um, distribution of film and documentary, because a documentary is just a nonfiction film that's kind of trying to educate or shed light on a subject. Yet there's something different in the DNA of this movie and say like an Errol Morris film. And not just because, you know, Errol Morris isn't a uh, questionable comedian taking down another comedian, but He's a dude who put a lot of money into a thing, went to locations, met with people, stayed there for a prolonged amount of time, put his films out in Film Fest, toured with it, and then got distribution. There's something just different in um, being on a computer and using the vast, the vast network called the Internet to craft a comparable um, documentary. And I mean, I'm, I'm not even besmirching it. I think you can find everything you need on the internet, but it's just different when you're not in the room with somebody you're interviewing. Yeah. There's something different about it. And it makes it feel like maybe your intentions aren't as pure as somebody who like got on a plane and flew out just to maybe have an interview with like a weirdo. And it also, I don't know. It feels like a little bit more disingenuine. Um, Having having said that, I uh, the propaganda worked here, and I do totally believe ninety percent of the shit in here. Yeah, um, I think it's, it'd be hard to argue. It's pretty damning. Also, if you're going to start a cult and you require your women uh, that you know he's recruiting a harem here again, allegedly branding. But if you're going to get them to have a tattoo and it's going to be your initials, uh, you would be blessed to have the initial CD because it does really make a good little heart. It does. I was very impressed with that branding. It was very good. Um, yeah. So I mean, I believe it. It's just RF doesn't have that saying zing for it. No, I mean, we're really gonna have to workshop that one. And okay, no on the, cue. The thing is, there's just it feels it's weird in the in the last part of this movie. You really start to wonder who went out of their way to do this. Like, why make this film? It's not like a work of art. God, that felt really mean to say. Yeah, but bit. there's something about like, you know, Errol Moore. Like we just talked to Jason Eisner. 
about his reenactments and casting people, the way he lit them, how uh, it gave the impression of a memory that you're having. You don't get any of that on a YouTube documentary. Yeah. What you usually get is a lot of screen captures, a lot of video that was, you know, public. It's out there. And you get a lot of VO. I don't know. It's just not a artistic. Aesthetically, it's nowhere near as pleasing as like a thin blue line. Of course. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to stress the whole YouTube documentary. Um, And I I feel like I am a little complicit in Russell's recent um, trend of watching uh, comedy YouTube videos because I've showed him some of those in the past. So, uh, Russell, I, I apologize for you this. You were way ahead of it, though. You you were yeah, sympathizing. Yeah, I to get out of it. You were sympathizing with Brendan Schaub. And one, I still do. Yeah, I'd be, I kind of do, too. But I also I love think you it. have to. I love it when people roast him. Though. I get, yes. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a part of the ecology. He's got the perfect, like, dopey face for it. Where it's like, you're like, dude. He you, asked for it. It's if, a part. <laughs> again. It's like we need we need him in the ecosystem. Yeah. It's like it all takes care of itself. But with Dalia, like again, the evidence that this guy was able to procure and like show out there. And again, you talk about intentions. Boy, I don't know. Because anytime that you've got someone in at towards the end of the documentary, he very he in his best effort explained that like yes i am a comedian yes i have been on you know shows with delir and whatnot and but you know explaining that uh you know that they're on very different planes he's not really trying to get clout from this mm-hmm. um but he's like someone has to do it now what propelled him um i don't know if something fell into his lap uh with this i don't know he, he really didn't go into exactly what propelled him to make this but he made it and he did a pretty good job because it's clear he's a stand-up and he's not a filmmaker but he did he did things the right way here um it's you know it it makes sense here It, it uh it's not out of sorts you know what i mean it's there's a meeting there's a beginning middle and end and i commend him for his efforts yeah, it. there is one thing, you know, in a documentary, you're usually presented one side of the story, especially propaganda. There's one big hole here that I just didn't feel was addressed at all. And when the women come forward, they've, you know, multiple years in this relationship. They talk about how he would constantly be messaging other girls and he was manipulating them and blah, blah, blah. But yet they never really talked about what they were getting out of it other than being with him. And I didn't get the feeling that they were like, just chasing fame because it's not like they're using it for clout like they weren't like putting it out there so i just kept thinking there had to be a lot of money that he was dishing out yeah and it never came up well it, it did that he would uh pay for 18 year olds to move to la yeah but pay for their yeah house. it's kind of like that but i'm like he must have been giving them enough money to where they were just like here's the thing i I feel like women should have the opportunity to make these kind of deals if they want. Like, hey, I'm going to be in a weird harem for a mega rich dude if the price is right. Yeah. And as long as you're not going to Louis C.K. him when you try to leave the door. You know, I mean, that's and I think fair that's market. A, like, and I, that's a part of the documentary uh, where we spend a, 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 the most amount of time with 
with one girl in particular, and we get a a phone call with Delia that that was leaked. You're you're right. You know the problem here is that Chris Delia didn't have enough forward thinking to draft a contract, and it would say you cannot gather evidence <laughs> while I am uh, gaslighting you, and you cannot take screenshots or share them on Twitter. This is a again uh, a part of that conversation. Yeah, that right. Had, yeah, it's like just be upfront about it. But again, I think for a Chris D'Elia type, it's all a um, you know, the idea of like being part of the Illuminati or the global elite, which I don't think he is. He's more like um, uh, I don't know, housewives level of rich. I think the the thrill there is just a mental game. So Chris, do you know who Chris D'Elia's father is? Uh, Senior D'Elia. Uh, I think his name is Bill. Bill D'Elia. Uh, Bill D'Elia um, is a well-known cinematographer. Oh, really? Uh, he has worked in the industry for a long time. Worked with Kubrick. And uh, so Chris D'Elia grew up privileged. And um, anything that Chris D'Elia wants, he has most likely gotten. And so I think it's a combination of all those things. And you've got a, you know, a vibrant personality as he does. Um, it's clear that a, a sociopath was born. And because uh, it's, it's rough stuff that uh, it's in here. You, you're reading about. Bill oh, dude, I'm, I'm shocked. His name didn't jump to my mind immediately. It says here that he, um, uh, was hired to direct an episode of Dookie Hauser. He's been around. <laughs> He's done work. Ally McBeal. Again, one of my favorite things to do is to make Cliff dance for the uh, the um, delight of our guests here at the house. And you Dookie, make him do the Ally McBeal dance. The Ally McBeal comes up quite often as uh, her claim to fame was a terrible CGI dancing baby, which I think was a product of her delusion or schizophrenia. Something was wrong with her. She clearly had a, an eating problem, a weird relationship with food. Is Cliff a fan of Alan McBeal? Allie McBeal? No. Can you even watch that? Is that syndicated anywhere? That's on Peacock. No, it's not. No, I think it was a Fox property. Yeah, but I don't think anybody's putting that back out. Is Fox streaming? I don't know. <laughs> What's their no streaming idea. deal? I don't know. All right. Uh, Chris Delia problem. Five stars. All right. all right. You all done? I know. I know you weren't planning on bringing that up, but I, I did think it was interesting. And I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I do. The funniest part of watching that with you was when you critiqued a joke that the director did, which, you know, he's, I'm just saying it, it didn't it didn't need the tag. You went, oh, hat on hat. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. My, the thing I was I wrong. No, you weren't. And you. The, the thing I didn't like was that he revisited a clip. And then had text over it saying, sorry, I just had to use this again. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the most YouTube feeling thing that's happened in this movie. I will say, though, that, again, as a person that got you on this dark path and a person that spent far too much time watching YouTube documentaries, uh -huh. at least it wasn't uh, just a background of someone playing uh, Tetris. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I've watched a lot of those. You too. know what I mean? Yeah, Something I mean, like that. It's essentially our show on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, all right, I got a lot. I'll try and be quick. I know Randy's melting over there. So we're going to open it up with um, Clark's favorite segment. Oh, uh, it's the Randy Retreat. 
It is the Randy retread. And uh, <laughs> last night, uh, we're trying to put the baby down. I'm laying in bed. I'm like, you know, I should watch a movie because <laughs> I need something to talk about. And I remembered one back in the day when Oksana used to pull screeners that we would get and we would have the screener gauntlet battle for ultimate supremacy. <laughs> one of the movies that lost, Randy ended up watching later on. And it, I, I always just kept thinking about it. I'm like, man, I should have watched and voted for The Immaculate Room. Now, oh. Randy, I, I won't spend a ton of time here because ultimately I think Randy kind of nailed it with his review. Can I tell you, I almost watched this last night. Dude, I don't know why. <laughs> it's just, you know, it actually made some people's top lists for like last year. Who are these people? I don't know. Um, clearly, they're very nostalgic for the early aughts uh, kind of, I don't know, non-edgy horror movies. Oh. Um, so again, doesn't just, sound like Randy. I know. And I believe that's why Randy gave also, it. Also, I believe you are 100% making this up. I don't believe I ever watched it. What? Yeah, I don't think you saw this. What either. the fuck? I think, I think when we were talking about it, I said that I would have voted on the other one just based on the poster. Wait, hold on. Randy, yeah. uh, can you pull that up, please? Like, yeah, look. I have not logged this. What the fuck? Was this up against the retaliators? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't watch this. <laughs> I remember this conversation. Dude, no wonder. In my head, in my head. All right. Clearly, it's a byproduct of all the. Uh, I love. We're keeping it part of bigger. the segment. No, no. Here's the thing. It's a phantom Randy retread. I have a vivid false memory of Randy giving a spot on review of this. Oh man, what the hell happened? Maybe I listened to another. No, nobody else talked about this film. This is okay. Well, I'm glad I watched it. Um, IMDb says secrets and private demons emerge when a seemingly perfect young couple compete for a $5 million prize by isolating themselves in an empty white room for 50 days. No phones, no family, only the room trying to break their resolve. Wow. That is a fucking dumb synopsis. Um, the film opens up perfectly. Two people walk into a giant cavernous white room. Everything is white, very modern feeling. The only things in there is a weird in the white room <laughs> with black curtains, no black curtains, no windows. And uh, in the middle of the room, there is a white rectangle. Looks like some kind of modern, uncomfortable couch. There is a bed that is anchored to the wall, kind of like those floating toilets that you would, you know, <laughs> once you got a little bit of a waste, you're never sitting on one of those things. Randy, this kind of sounds like the Airbnb you rent out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my guest bedroom. <laughs> uh, there is one room. Uh, it is a bathroom. And they only want one contestant in there at a time. Now, it's not... What's pretty interesting is they don't give you a ton of context as to what's going on here. Hell yeah. Um, they do talk about the prize money pretty much. How much? But you're kind of left to think it's $5 million if they make it. $1 million. Per person? No, just flat because they're a couple. But if one of them leaves, it goes down to a million. Ooh. Now, here's the thing. You don't know what they're doing, though. Like, is this for the government? <laughs> is it for a weird college doing an experiment? Are they on TV? And you kind of have to piece that together as it's going along, um, which honestly is where the only fun I got out of this movie. Uh, the couple's not terrible. They're kind of boring, like I mentioned, like an early aughts movie. This is one of those early aughts movies where it's like, I'm trapped in my apartment and I'm going crazy, right? Yeah. Except they don't really go very crazy in here. Randy, are you sure you didn't talk about this? Because <laughs> I Okay, I have a memory of you saying that they're they're living in the room together and then a gun shows up overnight. And it's like, oh, there's a gun here now. Nothing? No. Oh, man. 
Bruh. <laughs> I think I've tapped into the metaverse. And in oh. another reality, Randy must have watched it. I do. You did a great job in your review. I'll just tell you that. So things like that happen. And it starts to feel like maybe um, <laughs> this isn't a social experiment. And it is like Big Brother television. Although the gun seemed a little uh, far. <laughs> I don't know. There is a camera because there is a robotic voice that chimes in every time they do something that they shouldn't be, which isn't often. And um, thankfully, uh, there's a montage very early on. Of heck? Of uh, time passing. So we kind of jump to the... Well, here's the thing. They're supposed to be there for like, I can't remember. It's like 500 days or something. Of summer. And we get a montage and we end up on day 20 by the time shit starts getting weird. And the only thing I really wanted to talk about this when I had thought Randy did a great job reviewing it <laughs> in another life was that there's a moment where they're rewarded with a call from family. And I'm like, oh, this has to be reality TV. It's I, I know you guys don't watch a lot of reality TV, but like in a more classy, they'll do a thing where it's like you've been isolated from home for a long time, like from Big Brother, or like Drag Race, and they'll be like, Hey, you have a video call from your mom. And it's just like a recorded message. The thing I loved about this was that the video calls were detrimental. Like um, the dude, his sister called and she mentioned like, hey, just think of this as a vacation from your ex, which was the girl that he was there with. And he's like, I haven't talked to her in a long time. But those little things, there wasn't a lot of handholding. And it just kind of let the audience think like, oh, shit, what happened back then? And, you know, it just ratchets up a little bit of tension. They did a good job of that in this movie. <clears throat> um, yeah, damn it. I'm, I was so convinced Randy covered this. I'll tell you right now, there's not a lot here. Uh, by the end of the film, I, so the, this movie, okay, there is a red button in the room. You hit the red button, you can leave. There's also another thing where um, you're fighting boredom here. And they had a, uh, there's a touch screen that you could go over and request, request a treat. Ooh. To help break up the monotony of the room. It would cost you $100,000 to oh. request a treat. Um, do you know what the... Do you have any guess of, like, the scale of the treat other than it costs no, 100 grand? it's just you could get a treat. So... It could be ice cream. The uh, the male in this uh, relationship was struggling. Emil Hirsch. And he was like, I want to get a treat. And she was like, no, it's coming out of your half of the money if you do... Whatever. He gets a treat. Um, it's a crayon. So what? and Koran? Yes, the Koran. <laughs> no, it's a green crayon. Oh, crayon. Crayon. Oh, so, you say crayon? I said crayon. You say crayon? Yeah, like Brian Cranston. Randy, how do you say that word? Crayon. Oh, God. I think you are right, though. It's probably crayon. I say crayon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, a green crayon comes out. I, now I feel weird about it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always so, a crayon. It instantly reminded me of the book Harold and the Purple Crayon. Shout out to my mom who read that to me much as a child. The $100,000 crayon. And uh, here's the thing. He's an artist. So he goes to town. He just draws on fucking everything. Hell yeah. It's kind of cool. It makes you think about the production. Well. Does he wear that crayon down to the nub? Uh, they don't really get into it. Uh, it's it's he, unfortunate. He does dirty up the room and he tries to draw his girlfriend. And she's like, do it realistic. And he's like, no, no, I'm trying to capture your essence. Paint me like one of your French girls. That's what I was thinking. I was actually thinking of Family Guy, the of show course. that I hate, where it's like, want to, you know, see him naked. Um, yeah. Also, not enough nudity in this movie. 
Now, Randy, I, you talked about this movie. No. <laughs> I love it. I remember Randy saying that at a certain point, this is why I watched the movie, by the way. It was late. I'm like, I'm going to fall asleep. What better than like a weird Skinamax movie, right? And I remembered Randy saying that a gun shows up, which feels very Red Shoe Diaries, and that one, at a certain point, another lady appears. Lady. Right? That's how you ratchet up the tension. With Jerry Lewis. So another girl shows up and uh, shit gets a little crazy. And the best part is the problem of having a girl show up when there's no context is you say, hey, what the fuck's going on? Like, give us some context. Well, she's like, yeah, I don't really know. She's naked, by the way. She's like, yeah, I don't really know. And they're like, what do you mean? How do you not know? How did you get here? And she's like, well, uh, my agent booked a gig. I'm an actress. And um, they booked me for a month. And they said, uh, yeah, they want to be nude. And it's like, hey, touche. Good job. You sure you didn't watch this? <laughs> yeah, positive. What the fuck? Okay. Any any evidence that you just willingly <laughs> give up to prove that you're the crazy one here? I'm, I'm all for it. Um, immaculate Room. You know what? If Again, if you like that vibe, early aughts. It's it's a uh, premium mediocrity, as uh, Scary Thoughts would put it. There's not a lot here. It's kind of fun to watch. The ending is not satisfying. Mm. Um, check it out, the Immaculate Room. So, Randy, based upon Russell's <laughs> explanation of the experience he thought you had, uh-huh. what would you rate the Immaculate Room? You know, I'm I'm kind of remembering something. I think I talked about the Ejaculate Room. Oh my God. <laughs> I <laughs> worth it. He'd been he'd been sitting on that for twenty minutes. Oh my god! <laughs> you know I'm gonna do again. Uh, so this happened back again. If you can remember when Mark Kate from Scary Thoughts was on the show, I swore that he went to a screening of Birdemic, and uh, he's he's like, no, I don't. Yeah. don't you also swore that I had rickets. I mean, that's the most likely Man. of the three. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> it is. probably true. No, but he, I was like, you know what? I remember the episode that he talked about it. I'll go back and do it. I, I didn't. Uh, spoiler alert. I'm going to do that here. I'm going to find Randy. Oh, I'm going to dip into the metaverse and I'm going to find Randy reviewing this movie. And Randy, you were lukewarm. So maybe stay away from it. Sounds about right. Ooh, lukewarm is also my favorite WWE wrestler. I thought you were going to say favorite Wilson. Luke Warren Wilson? He doesn't. <laughs> okay, I got a lot more. That was, good. that was going to be my short one. I swear to God, I was like, Randy's going to remember I can just talk about the one reality thing and then I can move on. <laughs> I swear to God, I thought he... T- dude, I have a memory of you talking about it, dude. No, you know. Wow. Um. All right. My, my world's being shook. I'm, um, How upset scrambling. were you when nothing that Q said came true? <laughs> that also hurt. Again, there's still a chance. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Kennedy to crawl out of the grave. Was it Kennedy? Who was it? Kennedy. Oh, dude, Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy. Sorry about the name change when you went to TNA. He didn't show up in the Royal Rumble. Um, anyway. <laughs> if Mr. Kennedy would have showed up, I would have. You could have heard me. I was really holding my breath. Oh. I was hoping he would. Again, Clark, are you ready? Let's do it. Because we got a cool guy clip of the week coming up. 
Oh boy. Fuck you, fuck ball. <laughs> no. Fuck ball is just not good. <laughs> you know, and that's a theme I'm discovering with cool. Is guy it movies. Harvey Keitel? I have no fucking clue. It has to be. Fuck you, fuck ball. <laughs> The thing is, the writing is fucking atrocious. You know, I should be keeping track of why I hate cool guy movies and the tropes they're in. So, Oksana had to go take care of our child, the stupid boy. I told him, you better not fucking cry while we're recording this episode. But he did anyway, so I'll beat him after. But I was going to put her on the spot and have her talk about how she abandoned me uh, with the boy so she could go to a drag show. That's what life is like when you live on the coast. She went to go see Shangela. Terrell won tickets to the sold-out show at the Castro, and they went out and had a blast. While I was stuck at home with the child. Who is this person? Shangela? She's a drag queen. It's, uh, a, a popular one, I uh, she She was hated in the beginning because she kept reappearing on Drag Race. Okay. And people were like, why do you keep getting multiple shots? She also had a really annoying catchphrase, hallelujah. And then later on, years later, she came back on an All-Stars and uh, won everybody over including me, and didn't win, which is really the, the formula you want for your career. You want to not win Drag Race because then the audience will carry you much further. And that's where she's at. So she came out. It's kind of the way with American Idol and other things. Yes, pretty much. And the thing here is that when you got a great personality and can actually tell a joke, you end up doing tours of kind of stand-up, kind of... It's stand-up-ish. It's a lot of storytelling, but yeah. there's a lot of like dancing and improv. Okay. The class I didn't take. It's vaudeville 2.0. Kind of. Um, I but, understand. But it's a dude in a dress, so it's a lot more fun. And uh, yeah, well, they were out partying. I was like, well, now I'm stuck at home. Fucking cliff. Uh, let's go to grandma's house. <laughs> so I got in a car and drove to my mom's, who was guilty me that we did not let her babysit when we went to go see the movie we'll talk about next. Anyway. While I was over there, I was like, I should throw in a movie because I don't have a lot to talk about this week. So I was scrambling to find something on VOD again. It was Friday. That's when VOD comes out. Friday. And I said, whoa, Neil Marshall has a new movie. Oh. I, you know, Neil Marshall. You didn't watch Sandman? Sandman? The fuck is that? And then Neil Marshall? Oh, I have no <laughs> Is it? I don't know. Netflix. I just, I know Neil Marshall from The Descent and from, uh, you know, turning fantasy into something that the whole country could get behind with game of thrones and oh ignore yeah and uh i'm thinking of something else completely okay yeah he did doomsday dog soldiers he's he's a director i like so when i saw i'm thinking of neil gaiman oh there you go i should have caught that anyway he's got a new movie called the lair now imdb says when royal air force pilot lt kate sinclair lt Lieutenant Kate Sinclair <laughs> is shot down over Ars Taylor is shot down over Afghanistan. She finds refuge in an abandoned underground bunker where deadly man-made biological weapons, half human, half alien, are awakened. Sounds great. We're going underground. We got creatures. I'm like, dude, Neil Marshall's gonna crush this. Creech? So I say, hey, call my sister up, bring your boyfriend. We're gathering around for a great movie. This is what I do. About five minutes into this movie, you knew I lied to you. And this is where they learned the second thing. I will not turn off a movie. Even if it tells us from the very beginning, turn off this movie. I'm like, we got to do it. There's only one. Only one what? That you've turned off. Uh, I think there might be. There's one that I know of. What was it called? I can't even think of the name. Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah, fuck that movie. 
Um, and I made it halfway. But fuck that. When the tattoos came to life, I turned it off. I'm going to rewatch for next week. Okay. <laughs> I'll join you. And I'll make you turn it off so we don't have to talk about it. Anyway, The Lair. Holy shit. What do I say about this movie? Um, Sounds like five stars to me. Just for a little bit of context, it feels... Uh, this movie really wanted to be a John Carpenter genre film, which I kind of wanted it to what be, What error? What error? <laughs> what era? What era? I would say... Era. Early 90s. Okay. It did feel... Not there. Ghost of Mars. No, it felt kind of like Assault on Precinct 13, although... What we ended up getting was more Ghost to Mars. Oh, now, again, I did tease a clip show early on, and I just thought the best way I could illustrate this was by pulling clips out of the cool guy film I watched. So we're doing a little bit of aliens here. We end up with the Giver. We're trying to do Assault on Precinct 13. We've got like late 2000s spaghetti western when it wasn't cool anymore. And God, man, our lead is like a Laura Croft character that you just don't care about. She's one of the worst actresses in the movies. Um, she just can't sell a scene. They do a thing where like, oh, also, so it's a creature feature. We have American troops. Uh, she's grounded. She retreats into a Russian bunker where they have an elevator to hell where she finds bioweapons. We already know this. The thing we didn't know was that the movie is the background here is kind of like a Rambo film. Like, you know how later on there were just yeah. extras and extras of people getting mowed down by him? Yeah. Well, in this one, they're all wearing turbans, and they're just a bad guy, right? Oh, and My God. They are the worst fucking shots. They're like stormtroopers of the like Middle Rambo East. like Rambo 3. Dude, they can't hit shit. They're fucking terrible. And at a certain point in this movie, I'm really begging them to. I'm like, can you fucking kill somebody, please? Um, the creatures in this movie, oh, my God, man. And again, the Giver. It's, it's the best example. They have a bodysuit, and it's like, that looked like it probably cost a lot of money. That's probably why you only got two of them. And every time we see this horde of monsters, we only see like two in a frame. There's just a lot of that going on. The thing that really got me, though, the music wasn't terrible. Yeah. And I was like, you could feel. It's like, oh, they were really trying to tap into some. The BGM? Some John Carpenter are the, shit. Are the sick tracks that they well, bought i got a i got a little bit for you so you could maybe make a judgment <clears throat> call here um now i couldn't find any uh, examples of music without the examples of terrible script writing too so we're going to open up here uh the only context you need is that our laura croft character is feeling lethargic on the wall of the fort and um nameless dirty dozen insert character walks up and he opens up by mentioning christmas cracker Again, that is a UK thing. So if you're American, you probably don't know what that is. We can talk about it after, but here you go. Guessing you didn't get that out of a Christmas cracker. Do you think I've lost the plot, Sergeant? See my share of crazy shit. Fell down the rabbit hole a long time ago, so... Who am I to judge? Come on. Let's get you over to Wilkes. So that is probably the least dialogue I could find that kind of gave you that synth bedding with its, you know, all you need is like a dun, dun, dun. And you're hitting John Carpenter notes. Can I tell you, I was, I was transfixed and lost in the, uh, the. Yeah. A lot of good sound design. Also, do you know what a Christmas cracker is? Yeah, I'm British. Do you? Yeah. Randy, do you know? 
You do understand that they call no. they call cookies crackers. It's not that's not what he's talking about though. What is he talking about? Because he said, I'm guessing you didn't get that in a Christmas cracker. Oh, see, is it a racial slur? <laughs> no. They look like um poppers. Like it's like a little poppers. Pr- it's a little pre- <laughs> I know he was gay. Not what Randy put in his body and then threw up. <laughs> no, um, they look like it's a present that would be wrapped up in a tube and you pull the sides and it pops and there's a toy in it. Oh, I yeah. only know this because the highbrow antiquity company I work for, they sell Christmas crackers because, you know, when you drink your wine with the pinky out, that's yeah. what you open for the holidays. So the fact that he dropped that, I'm like, my God. Also, I've been down that rabbit hole. The whole movie is like AI generated cool guy shit. Um, I have a clip here. Did I take a note? Oh, I got another example of the John Carpenter music. I believe this one has um our Snake Plissken turned uh government hack speaking over it. I could get more into that after. Your head is bleeding. Let it bleed. <laughs> Base is compromised. Six men are down. We're falling back to the armory. Sergeant, take command. You don't need any dead weight. Nice speech. Now let's go. God damn it. Leave me. Oh, Major, we're getting you back. Come on. Man, that's a cool movie. This sounds fucking <laughs> cool, dude. So the, you don't need any dead weight. That guy. I, this sounds pretty solid. Uh, what the fuck was his name? Uh, I think he was a major. He had something in there. I know I took a note. Uh, major Roy Finch. He's got an eye patch, and he looked a little familiar. So if if you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, the TV show, Jamie Bomber, uh, he played a pretty important role in there as uh, Apollo. So Creed. <laughs> Yeah, the Freedom Jazz uh, dude, Apollo <laughs> Creed. No, and dude, here's the thing. He feels like such a fucking mall version of what Snake Plissken is. Mm. And when you look at him with the eye patch, it's just like, with that music. Does he feel, he feels like Garden Snake Plissken. Oh, shit. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> here's the thing. That music, I legitimately like it. And then it turns into fucking Ghost of Mars with the, the slash like, da 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 were you paying attention to music, Clark? Yes, I was. It was good. It was, uh, yeah. It was, it was and aggressive. that was the thing. I'm like, dude, there's potential here. Give me some more music. I can overlook all the fucking dialogue. Um, and then there's these moments that happen. How deep in the movie was that clip? Oh my god, this is all first act. Oh, <laughs> like end of first act where the, the aliens start showing up, and you know, you mentioned how cool the the ambiance was, the desert wind, and then you hear the creature. So bad. I, I just could not get behind that. Um, so let's talk about another good genre film that we're borrowing from here. Have you ever seen the movie Aliens? Yes. The James Cameron film without the blue giant alien. Damn. So one of the favorite characters is Vasquez. Uh, one of the favorite moments of fans is when she's doing pulls up. <laughs> when she's doing pull ups. There we go. <laughs> and uh character walks over and says, Hey, Vasquez, anybody ever mistake you for a man? You remember that? That's one of my favorite moments in that movie. Yes. So we're tapping into that here with a uh, lovable character named Lafayette. Now, Clark, I I pulled this one just for you. Lafayette is a intimidating black woman. The only black woman on in the dirty dozen here. 
And uh, she's approached by another dude who is a country bumpkin, I'm guessing, from this fucking accent. And uh, he's bringing her coffee. Now, I just, I had to highlight this exchange for you. It may be my favorite of the film. Hold your fire. Jesus. Everett. What kind of white boy move was that? You're going to get your ass shut off pulling shit like that. Thought you could use a coffee. You can bring me all the cups of coffee you want. It ain't going to get you in my shorts. It's just a cup of coffee. Bullshit. Word is, that pilot we picked up saw some weird-ass creature out there. You fuck with me. She probably stir crazy. It's the heat. It's enough to send anyone over the edge. Back in North Carolina, people talk about Bigfoot like he's real as you and me. They all crazy too. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was her accent? I don't know. Uh, clearly, this must have been like a. <laughs> they probably filmed this one over the pond, as they say. Did they film an acting class? <laughs> Back in North Carolina. Back in North Carolina, <laughs> when I was. When I got diagnosed with that disease where it always sounds like I got peanut butter in the top of my mouth back in North Carolina. Dude, autistic Jimmy Stewart Fuck is you. pretty much what he was Dude. channeling there. Dude, how good is that? See, this movie, I again, now I'm sitting there and we're in the front room and I have family all around me and I'm watching this and I'm, I'm listening and something like this happens in a movie and I look around, nobody even reacts. I think it's a curse, man. Like when you're actually, dude, also she says that twice. And I'm like, just from writing, I'm like, God, we couldn't have cleaned that up. She's like, here, let me play it again. Because it stands out once you hear it. Oh, hold your fire. <laughs> Jesus, Everett. What kind of white boy move was that? You're going to get your ass shut off pulling shit like that. Right? That that and that, like if I wrote that down on paper, I'd be like, oh, I got to change that. It sounds, dude. Oh, man. Also, she did draw a gun on him. I failed to mention that. Guns seem to be a theme in this movie. How many times can you cock it? As many as we want. Um, and again, I'm going to close this out. Neil Marshall, I still love you. I don't know what the fuck happened here. So that brings us to the cool guy clip of the week. It's really... <laughs> The context here really amped it up, and I, I realized that after I pulled the clip. There's a large firefight. There's one of these Giver creatures is trapped in an opening. We have the whole dirty dozen shooting them down. They're just lighting them up, fully automatic weapons, and it uh, doesn't do anything. So Laura Croft runs from behind the line of people shooting him down with a machete, jumps on his back, and starts hacking at him. Somebody yells, cut his fucking head off. Well... That doesn't happen. She gets off, leaves him. He's still up there standing up. And then we get delivered this beautiful moment where somebody laying on the ground fires his fully automatic weapon and just says the, the brief but powerful. Smile for the fucking camera. <laughs> That's it. It stopped me. I had to pause the movie. I'm like, what? what, what? Okay, smile for the camera. Where yeah. does that line come from? Like, if you can imagine in your head, you know how all these things, they enter a culture and they never leave. And it becomes a thing you just say. Smile for the camera. Where did that come from? I don't know. I, I, I say it every time I open up my laptop because I assume there's spyware <laughs> there. I'm just saying it to whomever. Well, no, to, exactly. It feels like a PI or like a police 
like they've taken you into custody and they're like, you're done, right? Like smile for the camera. Yeah. We've got you dead to rights. It's the sign you see when you walk into CVS, <laughs> not Walgreens because they don't care if you steal. Any shady apartment complex, they yeah. got that sign down there. For some reason. Or Randy's guest bedroom. The lost, the, the dirty dozen trooper in Afghanistan put in Fort Buttfuck who's laying on his back, shooting up the Giver. I just didn't imagine him to say it. Smile for the fucking camera. <laughs> but the thing that really brings it home is you just got to have the gunshot. It's really those clips that really, they do it for me. So I had to share it for you. Again, Neil Marshall, there's still time. Thankfully, nobody promoted or saw this movie. Oh, and I should mention, I, only, I really wanted to watch it because I love a lair. I love it in a horror movie when we get to go to the lair. What was that? Um, there was that indie Bigfoot movie where it was like they were the predator. He was wearing like bark armor. Did anybody see this? It was made by a special effects guy. Anyway, um, I'm sure there are people yelling at me right now because I think it was called like primal. And okay. we got to see Bigfoot's lair. He had a hut where he would like tie up. the. Women. I thought primal was uh, an alligator film. I don't know. I think there's a lot of movies called Primal, and it might be Primeval. I can't remember, and I can't be bothered Ah, to look it up, even though I'm on a computer. And uh, I love a good lair. The found footage movie, The Tunnel, there's a good lair in there. This movie, they did it. There's no fucking lair in the movie yet. It's called The Lair, and it's a Russian army base that was abandoned, and it's not really a lair because these things weren't living there. They weren't thriving there. They didn't have a bed. They had a tube that they were locked up in. It should have been called The Research Lab. Then I would have known not to watch it. All right. I'm done with that. All right. Uh, Randy, how many stars do you think Russell gave us? <laughs> Three and a half. Oh. Oh. I'm good. This is this is three all day long for you. Yes, yeah, three for yep. sure. It's yeah, you clocked in, clocked out at three. I um I when I pulled the clips, I had to title them the lair because I know when I go back, I'll be like, what the fuck is this from? So I had to leave a little note of um a trail of post-it notes because my memory. Um, and then we got one more that me and Clark watched together. Actually, we rolled out there with a lot of people to go see probably one of my new favorite directors, Brandon Cronenberg's new film, Infinity Pool. You're crushing hard on him. I, dude, I love the guy. I really like what he's doing. Um, I'm going to open up and say this two-hour uh, trip to a made-up country for a resort is maybe my least favorite of his films but i still i liked it and um i don't how do you talk about this movie are we gonna spoil things or can you even really spoil it uh, i'm gonna defer to randy's judgment well here let's let's just give it to imdb let's see if they spoil it in their synopsis all right james and m foster enjoying an all-inclusive beach vacation in the fictional island of la tolka when a fatal accident exposes the resort's perverse subculture of hedonistic tor- tourism, reckless violence, and surreal horrors. Wow. I didn't know they were going to give it all away. Give it all away. I would, dude, who, if you're one of the people and your friends invite you to go see a movie, and they're like, hey, why don't you come out and watch a Gray Sky Blue Night? And you're like, I don't know what that is. Let me go watch a trailer. Let me just say, fuck you. I hate you. (laughs) I hate you. Because you're also the person that's like, I don't know why you want to watch this. And it's like, hey, I go see any horror movie and I just roll in blind and I don't think the movie deserves to be perfect. Yes, but you do understand that you operate on a very different level than the majority of people (laughs) on the planet. 
trailers serve a good purpose. You, we need trailers. No, they don't. They ruin everything. No, incorrect. Not everything. And sometimes that's okay. It's okay if it ruins everything. Let me explain something to you that, that at every nook and cranny of every conversation and every point of life we have, you fail to understand. The public is retarded. <laughs> they have to be spoon-fed and handheld. You know what's funny? I was watching an old episode of Drag Race, and somebody said, girl, you are retarded. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> you probably couldn't get away with that now. Anyway, the, the problem I have here is that they literally say the fictional island. A fictional island. Part, part of the fun watching this movie was like, is that a real language? <laughs> it looks like uh, dyslexic hieroglyphics or something. Ooh. Something was wrong there. And then clearly you could piece it together. Okay, this is kind of island anywhere. And, oh, man, they really just spell it out. Also, I think they're wrong. I don't think there was a subculture of the resort. I think it was just he found a group of people who were a bad influence. Yeah. And in a way, okay, so what we're talking about here is my favorite Skarsgård, Alexander, uh, from Ooh, True Blood are, fame. Those are harsh words. Dave. I do. I like him a lot. I like the daddy. Yeah, you would. You got an old guy. Stella. So Alexander Skarsgård is uh, married to Cleopatra Coleman. I mention this because everybody who saw the movie agrees that Cleopatra is a beautiful woman. Beautiful. And they were shocked that he got uh, futons for lips. <laughs> <laughs> futons are not comfortable. So maybe uh, rethink that pitch. Leather comforter. <laughs> She's got beanbag lips. Um, That's racist. Everybody was upset. That Mia Goth, uh, you know, she's a sneaky link here. She's trying to sneaky link. She's trying to. Was she Zelda? <laughs> that is the most boomer <laughs> shit you've ever said. Um, so Mia Goth is here. Fucking hate Zelda. So hey, can can I ask you two? You yeah. guys are into the whole like how pretty are you? this girl's hot? This is very much a Randy and Clark vibe. Is Mia Goth hot to y'all? Let me explain. Yes. Let me answer this. <laughs> And I am very serious. Yeah. In the Mia Goth handjob scene, hard as a rock. Oh, really? I was. It was erotic. Wow. Can we prescribe that? We could fix a problem. I'm for telling you. you right now. You fire up that Mia Goth handjob scene. That's it. I just need. If I'm just out there in the woods peeing, I just need Mia Goth to come out. All right. Well. Okay. So here, for people who haven't watched the movie, uh, Alexander Skarsgård is peeing in a lake. Uh, they've been drinking a little bit, and um, Mia Goth. She appears a little bit off camera, shows up, and just starts going to town. She's standing behind him, and uh, we get a lot of um, uh, thwapping yeah. <laughs> audio, and that's about it. And then we're just playing off of uh, Skarsgård. So what about the situation really did it for you? All right. Let me explain something to you. All right. So the Cleopatra lady. Yeah. Very attractive. And I, I again... Yeah, okay, I'm these are gonna, these are two beautiful I, women. I can feel it already. We're gonna spoil this thing. Uh, warning: We're gonna get into it. Watch the movie. If you don't know Brandon Cronenberg, let me just say right now, it's very light on sci-fi, and there's not a ton of um, horror aesthetic here. Um, so be wary. It's a lot more of like a Randy Arthouse film. I enjoyed it anyway, but we're, I want to talk DNA of this yeah. movie. You've got they're both you know. On paper, very attractive women. Yeah. But with Mia Goff, it's a sexiness factor. Okay. I know you the, like the quirky lady. The Cleopatra. The, the, uh, Mia Goff, uh, to borrow uh, from the verbiage of our times, she's a vibe, dude. 
That's some beta male talk right there if I ever heard it. <laughs> You're like, Cleopatra's just too traditionally good looking. I'll no, go for Mia the Goth's a bad girl. You're like, Mia Goth in high school probably had glasses and a pig. Mia Goth's the bad girl. She's doing naughty things. <laughs> She's jerking me off while I'm peeing. Okay. My pipes are confused. So was it was it the um the strong female presence that did it for you? Or was it the kind of like, whoa? I'm, I'm yeah. peeing over no, here. No, you the Cleopatra. Did she did not have sexy energy? Well, the relationship was kind of uh, exactly on the rock. Stale. Yeah, we need something fresh, something dangerous. That's where she came into play with her weird, crippled husband. <laughs> Why is he crippled? He always had a cane. Yeah, but I thought it was more of a like flex than I, a limp. No, if you got a cane, you're crippled. <laughs> That's a rule. The Monopoly guy has a cane. He's a <laughs> scoliosis. No, okay. So Mia Goth here. Um, she comes up to Alexander James Foster, who uh, is an author. What a perfect author name. Yeah, James Foster. Foster. It felt literally like, oh, you're like a hacky novelist. Well, turns out he's only got one book under the belt. So when we're out here at this fancy resort, we're like, damn, that must have crushed. People must have loved this book. And uh, you bought that. Mia Goth shows up, Gabby, and she's like, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I've seen you here for a couple of days and I just had to talk to you. Let's go to dinner. So there's a double date happening. Um, I did buy it in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I think it becomes pretty clear that the uh, M. Foster is the uh, one wearing the pants here, though, has all the financial power. That's correct. And that uh, James Foster was a little bit of a starving artist. Yeah. Who just has a hunky boy body. James Foster's Jones. Which is fine. Honestly, for a like boss bitch and her boy toy, they were a boring fucking couple. They were. They were so vanilla. Which is why Mia Goth comes in here jerking peckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mia Goth, she talks about being an actress. And I was a little confused because her uh, her cup of tea was, what, infomercials? She was good at selling a bad product? Oh yeah, what did she uh there was a specific Well she had a industry had a, term that she said. I yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. I just remember Randy, being, you remember? I don't either now. Oh it was like she was surprised at something. Yeah, something well, like that. She instantly made me think of like uh whenever they're gonna sell like oh, an Asian oh, knife. It was something akin to she couldn't go through life without that product. Yeah. 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 And it's you know, whenever you see the infomercial, it's like, hey, get the gunsu the gingsu blade. It cuts through anything. And then they have the before where it's like a black and white and it's like, oh, and then the knife explodes and yeah. the person falls on the ground crying. That's her career. Yeah. Uh, and her boy was an architect. So instantly you're like, with oh, a cane. Okay. So the two artists are talking. Now, I do want to mention, I love the way this movie was framed. It was giving me Hitchcock notorious vibes. In a frame, uh, we were led to believe who was feeling trustworthy of each other, who was paired as a couple. And I, I, you know, here's my art 101 lesson. I, uh, I think I learned through a Google image search <laughs> that a boring subject being depicted within a frame is dead center in the middle. That's just a boring thing. It doesn't really inspire anything. So what you want to do is move them off center a little bit. You see this a lot in film with really nothing backing it. Like there's no idea behind it. In this movie, there's a beautiful use of this where if a character a character would always be framed looking one direction and it would imply 
what they were thinking about. It's kind of the thing I always get made fun of, which is uh, mirrors, where, you know, when a character is looking in a mirror, it they're conflicted. They have an inner conflict and they're thinking of two realities or two possibilities. Like maybe in one, Randy reviewed the Immaculate Room, where in the other, he didn't. <laughs> and in this one, what we have is like, say, uh, Skarsgård's head is to the right of the frame, but he's looking forward. So he's looking to the negative space. This would imply that he's uh, thinking about the future, where later on in the film, we see him looking to the left, but he's also in the left of the frame, which means that he's probably reflecting on the past. Now, this is important because this movie's all about him and his emotional arc, which apparently none of the people we saw the movie with understood. And when the, everybody was like, Cleopatra's way hotter than Mia. Why the fuck would you leave him? I instantly said, ask Arnold why he boned the maid. Dude, no, Mia's way hotter than Cleopatra. Well, here's the thing. Oh, do you, do you think so? Vibes, baby! Mia Goth looks to me like, I, sorry for bringing up Drag Race so much. Willow Pill, just Google her. I was like, dude, she's giving me Willow Pill vibes this whole fucking what movie. What is Willow Pill? She's a drag. Oh. Uh. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, man. I was into Mia. I do feel like it's a little unfortunate that she filmed three films within uh, such a close time where she's portraying insane women. Because in this movie, uh, there's a moment that I felt had the wind taken out of it because Pearl had just came out. And, you know, the end credits with Pearl are just, it's one of those like classic Hollywood where you're like, man, it's fun to watch her be unhinged. And in this movie, we get unhinged and it's like, I mean, I, I know better. I know these were filmed pretty close together. Yet I'm like, uh, is this what you're going to do in every movie now? I thought she was good here. Oh, she was, she was great. Yeah. But didn't, do you think- I didn't get Pearl vibes. You know what I'm talking about? I do. When she's there and screaming over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, She's really pushing that physical emotion. Dude, I instantly thought of Pearl. Randy, did you? Back me up, please. I need it. No. You fuck. <laughs> You've not come through with me at all this episode. <laughs> yeah, you didn't watch movies he thought you watched. So, Cole, <laughs> again, we didn't talk about um, what you thought of the film. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy it? I fell asleep for a little bit. I, that's fair. Uh, I was right next to you, and I was wondering if you caught me asleep. No. I was, I, so, hmm, that's interesting, and also that sort of yields the conclusion that we'll never know how much of this movie I missed. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I feel, it's one, I don't think I missed a whole lot, but I don't know, because <laughs> I was, I was kind of in and out, uh, between, uh, probably, I feel like Act 2 was a little rough. Um, of, well, what of do you remember? My consciousness. What's the last you remember? I feel like I was going in and out of scenes where I was like, I have oh. a good idea what's happening here. I'm just going to doze off for a little bit. And I picked back up and then it kind of went back down. You did the old five minute blink? A little bit. I hate that. I was in that you zone. don't get rested and nope. then you don't retain anything. The the yeah. recliner seats, I, I, I blame them. They're tough. Uh, they're tough and I don't want it any other way. <laughs> Uh, I, man, I gave this three stars. I feel like that's tough. I, I don't even like the stars thing. I don't even know why I say it. I don't know why I do. I do any of the things that I do. I'll say this. It's fine. <laughs> I had, I feel like expectations were a little high. Yeah. Um, for me, definitely. And also the, the word on the street, as it were, was, you know, 
this is going to be rough and uh, it's yeah. brutal and not. Th- no, no. It I was don't. it was the easiest of all of the, his films by far. By far, yeah. Okay, so we were on this quirky little island with these weird masks as a part of this culture that we kind of are vaguely introduced to. Fine. Don't get great. Put all that on me. I thought Skarsgård was fine here. If I had any problems, I would I would have had the problems with his character. Um I thought he did a pretty good job, you know, sort of this emasculated author um going through you know him trying to find himself or whatever's happening here mm-hmm. uh they were with, there for inspiration and if i just and the whole culmination you know with the urns you don't have to tip oh okay at the end can i just say that well we didn't even mention the whole i know like, that's why that's why i just want to say urns because like you don't know what they were in spoiler territory so do, do you want to spoil i mean d- i don't want to spoil why because that's all this movie's got no that's not true i don't know man i think i think if you come into this movie thinking there's something to spoil then you're gonna have a bad time I just, I can't, I don't know how to navigate the spoil and not spoil fucking universe we <laughs> occupy every week. I'm sick of it. It, it, no, it, it aggravates me. Top. I don't it's care. Cool. Yeah, so just get into it. There's fucking clones. Bada bing, bada boom. I was, the only interesting part of the movie for me. Yeah, well, okay. If we look at Brendan Cronenberg's, uh, like, filmography, I think he's a really interesting uh, mind in film. And all his movies have like an interesting sci-fi premise that he pushes. There's always an element of body horror. It ends up feeling very different from his dad, which yep. is hard to do. This one just had very light sci-fi body horror. I thought it impact. was good. I thought it was going to be way more body horror. Yeah, there's there's not a lot. There's not, and um, and the body horror is more like philosophical too. Yeah, it's not like a physical thing. It's more like what if you watch yourself die. And it's like, I feel like he was making a moral argument. Like when you do something bad, you're like, it's like a little death. You know, the biggest difference between this and Possessor for me is tone. Tonally, these are very different. Possessor's like a genre movie too. Yeah. You got spies going. There's like an element of cyberpunk. And then there's possession and horror. Like this, this is a horny movie. Uh, This is a movie about vice. It's horny. Yeah. And it's boring. <laughs> that sucks. Dude, I thought you would have been into Crystalia Island. Dude, the, the, the orgy scene was kind of cool. A <laughs> little too little too um artsy. Uh, yeah, what's the what's the what's the Mandy guy? Cosmatos? Yeah. Cosmatos? Yeah, doing a little bit of that. Yeah, it's kind of like ref in color, but a lot of like yeah, uh visual yeah. overlay. Yeah, I get yeah, it. I, wasn't I get re- it. I wasn't really into it. And I wasn't. Which is kind of I do, but aesthetically, I'm used to Brandon Cronenberg having more in-camera effect. So I was like, oh, we're going to get some like society kind of um, this group of naked people are merging together into a a blob. Well, okay. Have you seen um, society? Have either of you? I know that's a pretty like I, I know. I know. I know society. So that film is kind of dealing with what we're dealing with in this movie where you have like affluent people. Uh, protected by their money and society is a much more like visceral horror film. I feel it's also very fucking eighties. 
late 80s. So, you know, it's really amped up. So Randy would love it. Randy would hate it, probably. Of course he would. Wait, Randy, did you like um, Infinity Pool? For the most part, yeah. I'm pretty much on the same sort of, uh, you know, rating that you guys are on. Um, For the most part, like, yeah, I, I didn't really... You know, sometimes you're watching a movie and you kind of like get over the hump of like knowing that you're watching a movie. I always yeah. just kind of felt the being in the theater and like, I don't know, I never really like connected fully. Um, yeah, I mean, all the stuff that was good about it was interesting. But yeah, I, you know, as uh, someone who enjoys sci-fi stuff, I wish they did a little bit more with like the the premise. Like, yeah, just the, you know, there's a little bit where you just kind of see like, you know, a close up of Skarsgård, uh, you know, witnessing himself being killed. And that's kind of like all you get really. Then, uh, you know, I, I was surprised, uh, you know, we're in spoiler territory. I was surprised when they, uh, they do it again and again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah I don't know. Besides well, like yeah, just making fun of like rich people who are just depraved and, you know, keep doing this thing for the, uh, you know, to get their socks off, it really didn't didn't do a whole lot with the premise. Wait, I wanted to escalate to more. get their socks off. Yeah, <laughs> get their rock, get their rocks off. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I take my socks off sometimes. It's kind of fun. Socks. <laughs> uh, can we make Randy merch? <laughs> get your socks off. I've been watching too much uh, "Take Your Shoes Off" podcast. Oh my god, um, <sighs> Randy, yeah. It's man. I was really hoping you'd be into this because I feel like I'm on an island now. I did really enjoy this film. I thought it was fine. You slept through it. I did. <laughs> Here's the thing. Everybody kind of felt how you did, Randy. They're kind of like, oh, I wish there was more genre here. Um, we're all kind of bored with the rich people are evil and yep. it's long. Where I, you know, again, let me let me tell a little bit. I'll, I'll give you an insight into my personal world. Um, when I got out of high school my worst fear came true. And it was uh, the fact that I was now responsible for myself and had nobody telling me what to do. This is why I thought about going to the army a lot. Cause I'm like, they'll force me to do stuff. Yeah. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? And other than not paying rent and fighting my dad about getting a job, uh, I discovered drinking. And I was like, you know, drinking's kind of like doing something. Here's the problem. And Clark knows this better than anybody. I constantly have to be doing something. So at a certain point in my drinking career, I realized I started doing this and everybody hated it. We'd be hanging out in a garage, getting wasted. And I'd be like, hey, we should do something. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're doing something. We're getting wasted. And it just, it wasn't enough for me anymore. So this movie reminded me of that, where I was kind of like a free agent and I'm looking for a team. and you're not making the best judgment calls. And when somebody's there and they have an open hand and they're like, Hey, you could be on our team. It really could have been anybody. It could have been like, Hey, are you ready to join the Crips? <laughs> I'd be like, yes, I need something to do. Yeah. And in this movie, it felt kind of, I think on a surface level, we really do have the rich affluent people in a foreign country are just abusing the population and the government's okay with it. Cause they have a lot of money so boring but if you're in my weird world it feels kind of like illuminati recruiting where it's like hey you know who people like tom cruise 
Like, let's tap into that guy and make him dance around. Famous Scientologist. Yeah. Scientology is definitely under the Illuminati, if it were real. And uh, I'd buy that for Zala. The movie felt like a lot of manipulation, a lot of gaslighting, my favorite word. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it could be any story of somebody falling in with the group because they made him feel appreciated. And when we were in the lobby of the movie theater talking about why he would leave his beautiful wife for a quirky uh, Mia Goth, I'm like, are you all fucking idiots? There's something super important that happened that made it very easy for him. Yeah. She said, I liked your book. dude." I'm like, she course. acknowledged him as an artist. The, yeah, so th- this is what I want to talk about. Thank you for bringing this back up because I yeah. wanted to say when you said it the first time, because I heard Terrell say this exact same thing. Well, everybody echoed it. And I heard like other people. Yes. Thank you, Russell, for, for finally letting these people understand how a man <laughs> thinks. It's a man's world. This is how it works. And as, as Terrell, as a gay man, <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a different set of games over there. I don't know. You nailed the point. Yeah. This is an author who has not had a good go. No, with this. He's not the, good. This, the, the novel was not received. And you've got this one girl, and it doesn't matter what she looks like. No, she could have been anybody. She gives him the little the little blinky blinky eyes, talks about how much she loved his book. That's all it takes. Are you mm-hmm. fucking kidding me? It does yes, look at Arnold's maid. Yeah. Yes, it does it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. One yeah. one other thing on this and correct me if i'm wrong his original girlfriend she doesn't go through the experience does she um she's there in the in- initial jailing so again what this but she doesn't get cloned and then see no. herself murdered. and i think he being that he and me there's also a connection there that she's been through this fucked up thing that he has and his original girlfriend now long no longer doesn't yeah, yeah. and no, she's but- new and she's hot so there, there's an, again, Randy, you're correct, but I think there's an important nuance to that because I don't think it's like, oh, I had an experience that my wife didn't. It's more like I did drugs with these people and you didn't, which is probably the right call. And the other thing is that the people who have done drugs before, they know what they're doing to you. So it's kind yeah. of like, hey, get in here and do this thing. Now you're like incriminated. Because remember when he got arrested, they all flipped on him. They're all like, oh, it's his fault. Which honestly, man, I know a lot of times in movies when people are going to make a bad decision, you want to just reach in and strangle them and be like, what are you doing? Just fucking follow through. Even though we're in made up fucking, I don't know, dictator country. Yeah. I was still like, I feel like you could get off of this one, dude. Because again, he was a little tipsy, ran over a person. I'm like, just fucking tell somebody. But again, that's the power of the Illuminati. (laughs) They're going to get you to incriminate yourself. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, the relationship was doomed to fail anyway. She was only with them because, you know, her dad didn't like it. I, I thought it felt pretty real. And um, I don't know. I, I do think this is really about a journey of a dude who feels, uh, as Clark put, like emasculated. And there's an interesting trade off here where, you know, he, he was dating the, the boss bitch. He had the girl boss wife and he thought he had some hand to quote Seinfeld in this new relationship. Spoiler alert. He didn't have any hand. 
In fact, he was a puppet to a new woman. But she got, he got a hand on his penis. <laughs> Again, the whole urine factor there was either a turn on or a turn off. Turn on. Yeah, it felt like, he, I felt like, okay, yeah. he, you know what? Use it as lube, baby. Here's why he's my favorite Skarsgård. His face told it all. Yeah. He it painted the He was like, whoa, we shouldn't be doing this. And then it's like, oh, this is kind of unsanitary. But then he's kind of like, oh, okay, first of all, it's not unsanitary at all. Oh, Urine sterile. is wildly sterile. Oh, yeah. I saw the wire too, dude. <laughs> the wire? I'm talking about Patches O'Hula hand. Bro. I'm Oz. I feel like any HBO prison show <laughs> would have, uh, you know, actually, when you're uh, tattooing people in the clique, <laughs> Bear Grylls, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, Bear Grylls. No, I, but I'm, I'm not joking here. His facial, like, oh, yeah. Watching him through that hand job. Yes. Painted the whole picture. He is a good actor. He and then is the Northman. Cherry on the, the cake. Is that what you say? Cherry on the pie? Cherry on the cherry ice cream? Cherry on top. The cherry on top? Yeah. We get a little jizz on the bottom. Cherry on top and jizz on the bottom. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Which, did it remind anybody else of Prometheus? No. In nothing. the beginning of that movie when the dude dies and infects the lake? Nothing reminds me of Prometheus ever. <laughs> Fuck Prometheus. Yeah. So at the end of the day, Clark, what, you're a three? You didn't even watch the whole movie. You're just being no, charitable. I didn't. No, I uh, did. By the way, I I saw more of the movie than you. What? Because I had to pee eight times? Yeah. You went, you left, you left during an interesting part of the movie. You missed the part where the clone came to life for the first time, which is a pretty good scene. Because it was like red leather, and you see his face, and he goes, <gasps> Pleatherette? Wom. <laughs> Pleatherette. Yeah. Uh, three stars. Randy, your thoughts? Uh, I gave you three and a half. Oh. Three and a half? I'll oh, give Randy. you three and a half. Randy, later. again, I was really looking for you to be my lifeline here. Because when we were in the lobby arguing about the film, I'm like, I feel like Randy would get it. Because ultimately, it is more of a character indie piece about a dude struggling with his masculinity. Yeah. And I thought the end of the movie was perfect. Yeah. Where they yeah. all, and again, eh, maybe we don't have to talk about the urns. I thought it was perfect. It's literal baggage. He's literally oh, packing it dude, up. Packing my baggage. But the shot of baggage him full of urns. in the rain on a beach resort was just like, I'm like, dude, perfect. And I gave it 10 star. No, I gave it four. I think I'm going to go four. I might be three and a half with Randy, though. Yeah. You know what? Three and a half. Randy, you got me. Three and a half. There it is. Hell yeah. Well, I'm glad we were able to figure <laughs> that out. You know, it's it takes a community. Well, I think Possessor, I gave five. Antiviral, I think I gave four and a half. We, tried, we plummeted a full star. Oh, boy. Here. He's, uh, where's his downward trajectory? Hey, it's his junior film. He can do it. There we go. All right. Uh, we got anything else? Uh, I got to pee. Very badly. So it's time to go. Um, uh, we may have a, another show this week, guys. We don't know. Uh, this is how we play not. it. All right. We wing it. I don't think we will. You don't think? He's done a lot of music videos. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I got nothing. It's pretty sweet. Randy, please give our listeners a warm. I want you. Here's what I want you to do, Randy. I want you. To encourage our listeners for their the remainder of their work week, which is one day. So they're hearing this on Thursday. They gotta make it through Thursday. They gotta make it through Friday. And then it's the weekend, friend. 
So I want you to set him up for success and have a good time on the weekend. Yeah, you know, you're probably not having a good time if you're listening to this podcast right now, but I hope that the uh, rest of your weekend is good. You know, get out there. Uh, I don't know what the weather's like where you're from, but just really get out there, hit the pavement, you know, have a, a couple of drinks with some friends or by yourself. There's no judgment there. I do it all the time. And uh, yeah, you know, if you want to, uh, I, I'm going to do a plug here. If you want to catch some music, uh, go go find me at opinions.bandcamp.com. I do the music uh, for this show. What? The- and I also put up a, a, a recent demo uh, over there too. So I'm trying to take the, uh, the webpage back. He's back, baby! Congratulations. What a sneaky, nice little plug you put in there, Randy. It's very good. Also, updates are uh, up on the website. So go to unnamedfootagefestival.com. And tickets are on sale. I probably should have mentioned that. But now that Randy's doing self-promotion, he reminded me. (laughs) And as always, have fun, lollipops. Ew. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.